0: Welcome to Into the Aether, the low-key video ah. game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley.
1: I'm Stephen Hilker. Happy to be here. Yeah. So this is an interesting episode right away because... Up until maybe the end of last week, we were both kind of unsure what to bring to the table. We've been playing like a shit ton of Monster Hunter. More on that later. Yeah. And yeah,
0: I was I was wondering if this was just going to be a Monster Hunter reprisal episode.
1: Yeah, so I was debating what to bring. I mean, I always look forward to that, too. Cause it's nice to be, okay, what games do I have in my library that we haven't talked about in a while, that we haven't talked about at all? What could I revisit? What could I check out? Sometimes we have the best episodes and the best times with games in this kind of interim. But because I spent so much time playing Pokemon Emerald and Monster Hunter, I was—I actually haven't played anything else. So what can I do? Help me. (laughs) And then Apple Corp was like, we heard you. We got you. Here's 30 games on Apple Arcade. They pulled a lever and like we were on (laughs) Global Guts or whatever. Choose your 90s Nickelodeon show. Slime Time Live. We got slimed by Apple Arcade. Figure it out. Figure it out. (laughs) Figure it out is actually maybe the best one. I got an email from Tim Cook that said "figure it out," and there was a like a WinZip file of 30 games. Steven, that is
0: kind of the actual experience of what happened because <laughs> yeah. I. Okay, so l- let me let me frame this yeah, up a little explained. bit. So. Yeah. I think it was over a year ago you and I did an episode I think that was I think it was called Aether Arcade and it was about the launch of Apple Arcade and they had launched yeah. with like just a ton of games and you and I played like as many of them as we could uh because they gave out I think it was a free month of Apple Arcade like right at the top just to anyone who wanted to check it out weirdly enough because I've bought a bunch of Apple devices over the past year I have just had like a perpetual Apple Arcade like free subscription which has been <laughs> wonderful oh um, yeah but the weird thing is that like after that launch they didn't really add too many games they've been maybe like one a month or two um you know for the past year just yeah i
1: went from like 60 to zero i guess the inverse of zero to 60 whatever that number is it did that (laughs) uh because uh, again it launched just for context it launched with um sinar wild hearts grindstone guildlings skate city uh what the golf like all those games we've like talked Ca- about Yeah,
0: card of darkness which was like by zach gage and like the guy that made adventure time like there was like a there was a lot of stuff what was that other one ocean horn 2 which was like a big like kind of zelda adjacent game that launched with it there were like a ton of really like kind of big games launching uh alongside it's all Apple kind of here. like
1: a, a wish coming true because you and I have often talked about like our experience with mobile games and how I think they generally can be written off sometimes as like a less than version of games. Yeah. Um, if you're just running off like the ads you see on Twitter, like you will easily think that <laughs> you know like, yeah. the games where it's like, help me, I'm on fire, and there's a like, Candy Crush in like a different window. Like yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> but there's so many great teams that are making games that are really utilizing what it means to be on mobile. I think a really fair comparison. Is like as great as the original Game Boy was, I think early on in like Nintendo's handhelds library the game boys were like a less than but portable version of games you know you would get like very much like i remember playing donkey kong i think it was either donkey kong land or donkey kong county uh either way it was like the minimized version of donkey Kong country really fun i played the shit out of it i i burned through my AAA batteries on my game boy pocket in 1998 mm-hmm. to play land or county but either way like no one on earth is being like, you got to play county before country, you know, like <laughs> I think at a certain point, uh, I would say like around Game Boy Color and then even more so with Game Boy Advance and, and the DS and what followed leading up to the Switch, which I think is actually you could draw a direct line to that. The handheld system started to think, what could we what could we do that actually like. Uses the strengths we have available to us, you know. I no longer just a, oh here's a kind of version of a game, but it's not as developed. Like, what could we do specifically to utilize the hardware and just the experience of being handheld? So I think like you saw that most evidently with the DS, with games like Elite Beat Agents using the touchpad, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Right, right, um, right, Even Game Boy Color. I mean, going back to Pokemon Crystal yet again, you know, using like the internal clock and like color palette and all that stuff. Yeah, really and like it, one of the
0: one of the late Eight game Boy Pocket games and like early Game Boy Color games was Link's Awakening, then Link's Awakening DX, which which like added you know uh color to the game and on, on the Game Boy Color like that that really was the first time that they just kind of like nailed bringing the Zelda experience over to the Game Boy um, because it, in a lot of instances I kind of get what you're saying. I mean, even looking at like the Mario Land games for the original Game Boy, like they're rough. <laughs> they're, right. they're not by comparison. Great. Like at the yeah.
1: time, it was oh cool. Like I think early on, it's like, oh, cool. You're pulling this off, you know? It's like, yes, this is, it w- yes exactly. This is functional, golf, and the same yeah. with mobile games. You know, you had the really early hits like Angry Birds and Fruit Ninja and stuff like that, that like were fun and arcadey, but just sort of like were a proof of concept, yeah. And then you get stuff like, I mean, I wouldn't compare Angry Birds to Florence in any other circumstance, but I will bring up Florence mm. as an example of a game that is like, what can we do? specifically on a mobile device to provide an artistic experience that you couldn't do as well on a system yeah i think something about the intimacy of using a phone and also using headphones i've noticed that like the games that i think are most successful in utilizing being mobile are ones that really focus on sound totally. if Phone is another example uh guildings as well and i think also like guildings is another good example of a game i think any game that is like Tactics based or uh, a menu driven RPG system is really fun on a phone or tablet because it's just so easy to like select options. Yeah. So, Guildings not only is about kids with magical smartphones texting, which is perfect. So, you're literally <laughs> like using the tool itself as the system, but it's also fun for the mechanical side of it, like with the combat and stuff, you know, seeing kind of like an earthbound esque uh, per- first person battle perspective with the menu. So, I bring that all up because I think that like we're at this sort of turning point point like from 2013 on i think there have been like a lot of like kind of uh hits on mobile that are like really thinking about the console if you will in a creative way and then it felt like apple arcade was like just the lever broke and like a bunch like suddenly you saw in the spotlight, at least, like a bunch of people utilizing that, and yeah. um, it was really cool. I,
0: I, I don't think we can discount, you know, the those in between years of w- what you're talking about oh, as totally. well. But between yeah. Angry Birds and Apple Arcade, where like shit got really like bad, you know, yeah, um, because there were a lot of things that were like Family Guy, Match Three, Casino, <laughs> you know, like that kind of shit. And just like littered with in-app purchases, and just like real, like real nightmare shit, you know. Um, And and that is that is where a lot of that like preconceived notion of mobile games comes from. Is is the way (laughs) that the that the app store? uh, How you doing over there?
1: (laughs) You just you
0: just slap me
1: with the Family Guy, Match Three Casino, in your funniest voice. I just need to. I feel like I just did a bunch of crunches. I need a second. (laughs) (laughs) I got three stewies. Okay. (laughs) I just spent $40 to get three Stewies. <laughs> but I already had three Stewies. I fucked up. Throw this phone in the trash.
0: Um, anyway, you're, you're absolutely right. There, there was that whole like in between section where I think mobile games were kind of like really going <laughs> off. The rails, um, and and yeah. I I will give a shout out to uh, Russ Frushtick over at the Besties because early early on in in the uh, that podcast lifetime, Russ would very frequently bring the mobile games that like broke the mold. There, he was like very tapped into that yeah. world, and like a lot of my favorite mobile games over the past like decade came from his recommendations on that show, and really like also tapped me into that world, which is how I became a big fan of like Zach Gage, for example, um, who made things like Spell Tower and went on uh, or in Ridiculous Fishing. And then went on to make things like Heart of Darkness. And we'll talk more about like his Apple Arcade inclusion later. Yeah. But th- those in-between years were, were really rough. Um, and I think, weirdly enough, the way that developers started to break the mold before Apple Arcade came around was by making like almost full console experiences on the phone that had like virtual a virtual joystick so you could like move around and do everything that you would do with a normal controller but it would be better if you had like a physical controller so it kind of like bolstered that Bluetooth controller market things like the Backbone which is like an iOS specific controller that you can uh, plug onto your phone that is like just like built in to work with every game possible the, uh, I think Razer just made a thing called the Kishi which is kind of the same thing but for Android and iOS so like weirdly enough things like Call of Duty Mobile for example which is like held up as actually like one of the best mobile games that exist. Exists at the moment is definitely like littered with in-app purchases and nightmare shit, but feels exactly like a Call of Duty game just on yeah, your phone. Right. But it's really a lot better with a controller. So I think what you're talking about are these games that kind of break that mold even and are like, no, 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 this is this is made from the ground up to be played on a mobile device with a touchscreen. We're really thinking a lot about how people interact with this device specifically. Things like Pokemon Go, I think, are weirdly a good example. Like, okay, Absolutely. we could tap into the GPS, we could use the augmented reality stuff and the front-facing camera and the back-facing camera. And And really enable like this connection because everybody is connected online at all times. Yes. Um, And we can use that to our advantage with something like Pokemon Go and recreate that experience that kids had when they watched the TV show. So while simultaneously the app store, you know, on both iOS and Android, so Google Play as well, we're kind of just like nose diving into into the fucking trash. In the background, there were a bunch of developers working on really great shit. But also Apple realized, I think, at a certain point that they had like let this go too far. And weirdly enough, even though they have on one hand created the problem because, you know, they get 30 percent of every single sale that happens on the app store. So every in-app purchase goes into Apple's wallet as well. Uh, they were like we can still make all of that money if we want but we can also provide a cure in a way which is a little shitty and we talked a lot about that in the initial Apple Arcade episode um, yeah. but they launched Apple Arcade as a $5 a month subscription service with a bunch of games and the specific thing about those games and this is the thing I'm going to touch on a lot on this episode so I just want to like mention it right at the top is that these games had to work on iOS uh, so that meant iPhone and Android Apple TV so TV OS and also Mac these games could be run on any of those devices, cloud saves would allow you to take your save files from each device to the other one, like seamlessly without even really needing to think about it or do anything. And they would all be able to work with controllers as well, which is kind of part of the, the Apple TV thing. So it really allowed you to play any of these games in any way you wanted to. And and I think at launch, a lot of those games, you know, were spectacular, right? Like Sinar Wild Hearts, one of my favorite games, maybe of all time, you know, just an incredible experience.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. um,
0: uh, games like Card of Darkness, you know like the Zach Gage thing um, there, there's a lot of stuff on there grindstone great example
1: um, also a lot of them got ported I think worth pointing out to you a lot of them eventually got put on switch and other things which I actually was very happy to see because I was worried that like all this would be like another exclusive thing you know yes. like another thing you have to pay for but it seems like all the hits got moved around
0: yeah um, I was about to bring up round guard as well which just launched on switch recently which is another favorite of mine um, most of the games I just talked about are available in other places now but the thing about them that I thought was kind of interesting was that they they didn't feel like Florence for example as you were talking about like a lot of those games didn't feel like they were made for those devices because they had to run on everything it kind of felt like they could run on whatever you know so yeah. it, it they didn't feel like exclusive to Apple Arcade in any way it didn't feel like there was kind of a vibe that Apple Arcade was kind of bringing about um, I think Oceanhorn 2 is another great example of like one that is so much better with a controller uh, on your Apple TV or whatever that like I wouldn't even recommend downloading it on your phone I know people have played it on their phones, but like it just like feels like a game made for a controller and then like touch screen stuff was an afterthought. And weirdly enough, the stuff that has come out in the past week, you know, because they dropped 30 games at once feels more like I think what maybe they should have launched with because uh, there are a lot of I mean, you know, who knows how long it took to develop these games, but it it feels like some of the stuff that we've played in the past couple days are like tentpole almost like killer apps for Apple Arcade in a way yeah. which I which I'm really surprised by. I even texted you at one point on, I think, Friday. But like, I I think I said something along the lines of Fantasian itself just by itself feels like a watershed moment for Apple Arcade. Yeah, um, absolutely. That, that game is like what we're going to talk about. We have a whole segment on Fantasian later, but like that game by itself is such a good reason to sign up for Apple Arcade right now. Yeah, Even yeah, if you absolutely. just get the free month or whatever, like just go play that game. Try it on like more than one device. If you have more than one device, It it just feels exactly like I would expect an Apple Arcade game to feel a premium subscription service. In the same way Xbox is working on a premium game subscription service with Game Pass, Apple Arcade, weirdly enough, is now the biggest competitor to that. Yeah. And I'm I'm really, 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 like, floored by some of the stuff that just came out. And I think you and I wanted to touch on a couple of the games that were that we've been playing. But I, I just... I, I can't believe how much I've turned around on Apple Arcade because I was, like, yeah. so bummed about it after it had launched. And these 30 games, I still think maybe, like, drip feed them. Like, I don't know why it has to be these huge launches. You know, like for example just Fantasian I think is a great example one of my most anticipated games of 2021 I've been looking forward <laughs> yeah. to that game for a long time had no idea when it was coming out Hironobu Sakaguchi who is the developer of that game the the um, the director uh, and, and owner of Mistwalker the studio that made it he like went and did like a, a press tour about a month ago like talking about Fantasian and how it was developed and all that kind of stuff and I'll talk about that later but like there were no inklings of when that game was coming out in any of those yeah. interviews like right. why not like why not advertise that at all like why not say Fantasia is coming out on Apple Arcade on this day or something it's weird it came that, out like, on April Fool's Day like yeah, just to yeah. add. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great point like why why was that an afterthought like this is a huge thing and i think a lot of people wouldn't have realized it if like if people like chris plant for example or a friend of the show chris plant who like wrote an incredible article for polygon just talking about how like this is a kind of new day for apple arcade and game streaming and and game subscription services in general a a lot of people wrote articles like that on on friday and i think that's the only reason that people know that 30 games a lot of which are really fucking good all came out at once
1: yeah i I hope I mean it's a happy problem but i hope like you said it's like it seems like apple arcade like at the start of the year throws nickelodeon slime at you and then it's just like family guy match three for the rest of the year so it's <laughs> like yeah. i wonder if it's going to be more consistent or i mean i don't really mind that either because i mean like i can't get to all these games right away but yeah it, it is right. as strong if not stronger than what the launch release was which i didn't i kept my subscription active because i was holding out hope for something <laughs> as good as guildlings again or more yeah. guildlings which i think they just added a second chapter which i have to play play guildlings Incredible game guildlings is really Uh, good but um i just was always like okay do i cancel it now like when do i cancel it and like i'm so glad i mean i'm not so glad i paid like 40 bucks in the interim but like, <laughs> right. I'm glad I I'm glad I held out because I am so into what they did with this.
0: Yeah, I, ha- I have played enough of those games over the course of the past year that like, I didn't feel too bad about keeping my subscription. Yeah, but uh, but I definitely know where you're coming from.
1: Yeah. So I guess we'll probably just get into what we've been playing on it. So we'll save Fantasian for the last segment. That'll be spoiler free for the most part. We'll talk about the game, but I don't think we're going to like spoil anything for the plot really other yeah. than like first impression stuff but uh i think we'll just sort of go back and forth of what we've been playing on this i will start just real quick by just in terms of like the history of mobile games i thought it was actually very interesting that they chose to re-release some like really old like classic mobile
0: games yeah yeah so that's kind of one like of the fruit ninja for yeah. Example. that's one of the interesting things yeah. about about this launch on friday was that it was split into three sections there were apple arcade originals which were you know new games for apple arcade app store greats which are re-releases of like old apple arcade or sorry regular like app store games that just like kind of blew up and we'll get more into that but they they were released as like plus versions of all of them which is interesting and then timeless classics which uh seems to be just like chess checkers <laughs> worldwide classics Mancala yeah uh, very that's a great vibe actually it, it's it's very much just like uh, 51 worldwide classics for the Nintendo Nine Switch 9 Morris um, strangely enough there are some things like thrown in there like the Zach Gage stuff is in there is timeless classics so flip-flop solitaire plus uh, really yes. bad chess plus spell tower plus and good sudoku plus are all in that section as well but then there's just like regular ass solitaire regular checkers backgammon um <laughs> Regular uh, checkers. The App Store Greats section I think is really fascinating because as you were just saying it like almost harkens It's weird to feel nostalgic about App Store games you know from like way back when. But uh, Monument Valley. How the hell did
1: Apple beat Nintendo to game preservation? You know like (laughs) I never would have thought that like Fruit Ninja would be preserved over Mario
0: 3. (laughs) What the hell? Uh, Yeah yeah Fruit Ninja Classic Plus is a game that you can download now. Um, It's worth noting that the App Store Greats section um, kind of buck the rules of apple arcade so they are only available on ios and ipad or Mm. iphone and ipad which is interesting but uh what what else is in there mini metro plus monument valley plus rains plus uh Mm. threes plus Badland, don't starve pocket edition plus all stuff that is now available on apple arcade via this app store great section i think the zach gage stuff being included in timeless classics is really interesting especially something like good sudoku which like i talked a lot about uh last year when that came out love 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 good sudoku wrote a piece about it like really all all over that game um and really just shocked to see that there's like now an apple arcade edition of that uh, and and a lot of these games are really like they don't really add anything new to it. It just is like a version of it that is available on Apple Arcade. Your cloud saves carry everywhere, and uh, yeah, it's nice. I don't know. I re-downloaded like a bunch of stuff. I've been playing Mini Metro again, which has been great. I've been playing Rains again, which is still great. Yeah. Have you been playing any of the like timeless classics or App Store greats?
1: Yeah. So it's actually worth noting. I've been playing most of this on my iPad for some reason. I just yeah. like there's a couple games that I like so enjoyed on my iPad, and I downloaded like pretty much everything that came out or that I wanted to play onto my iPad. So I've been playing Fruit Ninja again, which like made me... Right back in 2010. Like, I felt like I was late for German <laughs> class. So like, where am I? Yeah. And that was kind of fun because that was like my, my experience in mobile games like early on. I I always got like the oldest phone possible. So like I didn't even have a phone that could play games until like maybe 2012. And like, I think I just downloaded Fruit Ninja just to be part of, you know, something <laughs> uh, and had a great time. I think I had Angry Birds, too. But at that point, it was like so late that I didn't even want to look at it. But Fruit Ninja, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm into this. I was really impressed by it, and it's like such a simple game. You know, you're just cutting fruit, but it's it's still very fun, and I feel like it's something that's fun to play. Like on a tablet, you can like pass it around if you have, you know, if you want to play with your family or friends or whatever. Very simple. Uh, I also downloaded a Zach Gage game, which I felt like me playing a Zach Gage game on my own without telling you was like when you surprised me with playing Final Fantasy VII. Um, (laughs) But I was playing Flip Flop Solitaire, which like I think. So good. From what I know of what you've told me about Zach Age games and from what I got playing Flip Flop Solitaire, which is just incredible, is like he has such a strong understanding of like UI design and like game design. And it's like so clean and nice to play those games. So like aesthetically it's it's just a joy. But also, like, he'll take a very classic game that you probably already know and just throw in one rule or, like, change one little thing that completely changes the fabric of the game. Mm-hmm. So, flip flop solitaire, it's you can go up or down in, in numeric value. Right. Uh, so, like, regular like,
0: solitaire, you would have, if, if you were making like a line of, of cards, it would have to be like seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. In flip flop solitaire, you will have to go like seven, six, five, six, seven if you wanted to, if you found yeah. more six, seven. Uh, what I also really like about that game is when you start, all of the cards are the same size suit as well uh which is really nice just makes things very easy like there's there's literally like no thought really at all you're just kind of like stacking things constantly there's like a there's a really nice flow to that game that i really appreciate and it definitely gets harder which i also appreciate but flip-flop solitaire great great version of solitaire he's actually released like three or four versions of solitaire on the app store this is the only one that made it into this collection but uh, it's probably my favorite one so it's good
1: yeah I think those are the only like classics and uh, retro mobile games I've been playing <laughs> which is such an <laughs> interesting idea more on that actually later the, my idea of what is retro has changed after playing this like group yeah. of games weirdly
0: I'll, I'll give another shout out to good Sudoku Um, yeah. just a, a, a game I really really adore if you uh, have ever been like like into Sudoku at all, it's worth downloading. And if you've ever thought that sudoku was like too difficult to pick up or if you were intimidated by it also a great thing to pick up it is like easily the best sudoku app that has ever existed um really bad chess plus is also in there and it's worth mentioning these are also not on apple arcade as well so if you want to get like the regular versions of them you can go do that but really bad chess is great uh in that it is chess but all of the pieces are randomized and just makes like for a a nightmare experience but it's really (laughs) fun um and then uh spell tower plus is the other Zach Gage game in there which is also great I mean I just recommend everything that dude makes but uh, as far as the app store greats are concerned um, mini metro plus I've been playing that game is so fucking good man and and the sound design is incredible like that's that's one of those like I didn't bring it up in our soundtracks episode because it's all generative like there's no like soundtrack really it's just sounds that make music kind of like (laughs) electroplankton or whatever but but that game just like is so aesthetically pleasing and is so sonically pleasing that I had to play it again Uh, weirdly enough they Made a sequel to that game which launched with with um Apple Arcade as well. But uh honestly, the original is now in there. You should go play it. It's really good. And uh I haven't played Don't Starve Pocket Edition. I was never a huge fan of Don't Starve. Did you play Don't Starve? I've
1: like tried and this is not uh, this is not my opinion on the game, but for whatever reason I keep trying to play it and then I like immediately bounce. I don't know what it is. So yeah. I like the art style a lot and I like those kind of survival games. I tend to, I don't like gravitate towards them, but I can kind of enjoy them. But yeah, I just, whenever I like, I try to play, I just move on instantly. I don't know what it is. Maybe one day I'll like force myself to, because it's so popular, but I just.
0: Yeah, hugely popular yeah. game. I've, I've also tried playing it and then bounce from it as well. Um, and I really like clay entertainment is the developer of that game. I really like the stuff that they make. Like I, yeah. I'm a big fan of their, of their work. Uh, don't starve is the one that I've like never been able to get into, but it's also like far and away their most popular game. They actually <laughs> recently, I think they got a acquired if i'm not mistaken and they also took the team that make that works on don't starve and broke them off as their own subgroup with like their own funding and stuff so oh, they wow. they just have like a team that just makes don't starve content now and then another yeah. team that like works on other stuff and that that's how popular and like and, and and how uh like financially uh captivating that game has been for them i guess yeah which is really interesting. Uh, they also have another game on Apple Arcade called Hot Lava that's really good. I would recommend checking that out. I think Don't Starve kind
1: of has, like, what really early Minecraft had, where, like, they don't yes. tell you anything. So I just think, like, I probably need to just know, like, okay, what is it that I'm trying... I know it's in the title, but, like, what do I actually do mechanically? <laughs> <laughs> do I eat? Do I not eat? Do I not
0: I don't know. <laughs> what do I do with all this stuff? What food? the heck
1: do I do? I know what not to do. with all you know that much. <laughs> Anyway, I also downloaded Reigns. I got a pocket edition. (laughs) (laughs) What button do I use to pocket edition? (laughs) I got a cliff bar in my pocket. I'm not going to do what you told me not to do. (laughs) This is so silly. I also downloaded Reigns, but I haven't played it yet. But I'm very excited to finally play it. Because I played a lot of games that have been inspired by that oh you've never played Reigns oh hell yeah yeah yeah. oh you're gonna love it that's like the tinder monarchy basically it was what your elevator pitch was yeah yeah
0: yeah. it is so so good and that team has also tried making a bunch of sequels they had like Reigns your majesty and then there was a a recent one uh, that was like kind of like an RPG set in space where there's like a like a band that goes around and like flies around around to different planets um, and like plays concerts on different planets uh, and uh, uses the same like mechanisms of Reigns in terms of like the swiping left and right to make decisions decisions um and then there's also like a sinar wild hearts adjacent rhythm game as well in there and it was like really set up to be the exact kind of thing that i loved and then i just like really bounced off of it i was so Uh, bummed that's a bummer anyway
1: reigns plus is available in there i played um democratic socialism sim which is very similar yes uh so i'm excited to finally play that one day maybe i'll bring it up if uh, if we uh want to talk about it again but yeah excited recommend
0: uh should we get into the apple arcade originals like the the big temple releases yeah let's do it uh you go first i'm interested in what you've been playing cool
1: okay so uh yeah there are a few big ones here i'll start with a a quick one um do you have the full title i have i'm looking at the app right now and it's taiko pop tap
0: uh that's that's good enough it's it's a taiko drum master game um which you know have been available on a lot of platforms and like in arcades forever um but they made a mobile version of it specifically for uh apple arcade I also played this on my iPad and my phone. I I, it's worth mentioning. I played a lot of these on a lot of devices just to see like which place it was best and if it was better with a controller without a controller whatever. This is so fucking good on my iPad. Yeah. It's so fun on the
1: iPad. Yeah, this is this is actually like a really great party game. I feel like I yes. mean it's a rhythm game, and I've actually like been slowly but surely getting more into rhythm games this like past year or two. Like yeah, I checked great. out the Persona dancing games, which are like way better than they should be. Um, <laughs> and this game is like so awesome. It's really tough. Like even on normal, it takes a little bit of getting used to. But like such an upbeat and fun game, and visually it's like just amazing and kind of hypnotizing.
0: It's so joyful the whole time. Yeah, like very even, joyful. Even from yeah. the very beginning when you first start with the tutorial it like is so immediately captivating and is so fun I, I a little bit of history in that I have always wanted to play one of these games I've never pulled the trigger on it like I always see them on sale and whatever and I'm like should I do this should I not do this and I and I don't I, a friend of the show Andrea uh, Caprodi, uh, is a big fan of these games and has tried to convince me to play them for a long time and I'm so glad to have finally done it because it, oh my god it's just so fun the first thing we did was the Evangelion theme on hard which yes. like, was
1: <laughs> Yeah, I played uh it, they have like a bunch of um like anime themed songs. So there's like One Piece, DBZ, uh Evangelion. Yeah, there's and a there's song there's, like, with your name in there. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like, you know, originals and and I think they're all covers that like, they're they're all like Uh, Covers of the songs, but they're all like really well done and like really fun. Um, It has the energy you want from like a DDR game. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've I've had a lot of fun with this. I played it way longer than I thought I was going to. So I was like, big same. Yeah, Yeah, let me check out a few. And I was like, oh, it's been like two hours.
0: Yeah, uh, I I was playing it on my iPad and then uh, Persia, my partner, walked by at one point while I was playing it and was like, I want to play that and then took my iPad and she just had the biggest smile on her face the whole time. We were just like passing it back and forth. It's so good. Yeah, I think this is another good
1: game for for, like families and, you know, if you're having friends over and stuff, it's just so much fun. Uh,
0: There's also online multiplayer. It's worth mentioning. So there there are two versions of this. One is that you can play songs with your friends. Uh, So all you have to do is like be friends with them on I think Game Center is the Apple thing. I'm not really sure what it's called but uh it's it's easy enough to sync up with people we found out but also they have like a, a quick match so they have like matchmaking so you could just very quickly like jump into a song with somebody uh which is really cool
1: i also like the drums the best in rock band so it's like bringing me right again like i don't know <laughs> what it is about this like 2007 to 2010 vibes from this collection but here we are <laughs>
0: Um, uh, cool what yeah, else really you really great um, I've also been playing the uh, revival of Oregon Trail dude how is it I'm so curious I, I I didn't have time to play this one
1: yeah so it's really interesting um, so for those who who were born a month after 1990 uh, Oregon Trail is like <laughs> one of <laughs> <laughs> for the teens out there uh, Oregon Trail is like one of the oldest and, and uh, most classic like PC games like it's like the bridge between like a text-based RPG and then like an actual like animated kind of computer game Mm -hmm. you know so it's like you know King's Quest meets like AI dungeon in that way (laughs) Um, and in the original game it was like you are a group of settlers going to uh, heading west with your wagon and your oxen and um, I guess it's theoretically kind of like a roguelike in the sense that there's like a randomized path you are all you can really do is in the beginning you can like prepare how much money you're spending on like supplies and food and uh the more you play the better you get at like knowing what could happen so you can better use your budget and then as you progress you'll see like a little 90s animation of a wagon like heading west and you'll bump into random events so you might like find a river and it's like okay do we hire a ferry and leave our wagon behind or do we like try just to go through it yeah uh, which if you did that in the original game your wagon got destroyed every time i don't care who you are i tried so <laughs> many times in in elementary school computer class to to, to just trudge through the river it never worked so it's it's a classic so i was really curious like what a new one looks like so the new one is made by a team called game loft and actually what i really appreciated was uh when the game opens it is a message from the team being like we really were excited to like bring breathe new life into Oregon Trail but we also recognize that like this time in history was an invasion for a lot of Native Native Americans Yeah, and we so they basically they collaborated with Native American scholars make sure the game was sensitive to that history oh wow and there's a lot of characters in the game who you can play as Native American characters which I think is awesome and that's something that like it's really worth examining like especially like games from the 80s and 90s that like may not have been intentionally hateful or like you know problematic but like just because there wasn't that discussion happening there's like a huge blind spot and this could be like a really traumatic experience for someone so that this just having that note in the beginning i thought was like a really great way just to be like this game is for everyone you know all games being as accessible as possible and being as like aware and sensitive as possible is is a net positive so really loved that absolutely Um, yeah the game itself is fun. Uh, I'm a little bit torn. This is kind of a nitpicky thing, but it stands out to me. The menus. As an old Oregon head. <laughs> <laughs> that got you, huh? That was, you went up Family Guy Mesh 3. I uh, So in the original game, it was like very text-based. So there were like, you know, black boxes with like, you know, wireframe stuff, right? Yeah, it was all like neon green. Yes. And they kept those menus in the game, which like I kind of understand for nostalgia. Yeah. But the rest of the game is like a completely different art style. It kind of looks like the characters sort of look like Save, where they're like a little bit cartoony. And the environments are like really colorful. And there's like a lot of attention to like the foreground and the background. It kind of looks like the, the sprites of the characters are a little bit Super Nintendo-y. And then you have like kind of a more painterly aesthetic for the setting. But then you have these, like, green and black menus, and it, it just clashes so bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking
0: at the screenshots on the app store. It's very clashy. Which is really unfortunate. I wish there was it's, a way to change it. It's definitely three that. different art styles simultaneously. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think
1: that there's, like, the setting, there are the sprites, and then there's the menus. That doesn't come together, unfortunately. It's not going to, like, ruin your enjoyment of the game, but, like, because it's a very menu-driven game, it is something to point out. Right. That being said, I think they've done a good job, like, capturing what it is people want from this experience and also uh, making a little bit more streamlined. So like, when you first play the game it's like four characters being led by like this like very uh charismatic mountain man who like knows the knows how to adventure and Mm -hmm. he's like you know you should change your clothes and eat meat and uh, (laughs) don't starve pocket edition for real yeah uh so the tutorial kind of just shows you like what can go wrong and then you reach town and then you can like actually start your adventure yeah what i like is that it kind of has a uh valkyria chronicles or like XCOM thing where like the four characters are like kind of pulled from like different archetypes so there's like a farmer a missionary a banker you know stuff like that Uh, and then they'll have like three two or three characteristics like heroic or paranoid stuff like that Mm -hmm. which is also kind of reminds me of, of rogue legacy weirdly enough anyway so i enjoy that and then like as you progress your adventure like ftl you'll choose like on a map like where to go to next and the map is really nice. I kind of wish they made the menus look like the map. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. I didn't play super long because the tutorial is like a good you know twenty minutes. Um, I just wanted to get a flavor of like what the actual adventure looks like. So it's giving you like those decisions to make, and it has that kind of procedurally generated feel to it. Um, it's fun, and I, again, I appreciate the the awareness and sensitivity of the game's original message. I would say like if you're you know it, it's probably a good way to experience like what this game was if you're curious. I don't know if they've like successfully revived it in a way that's like, you got to play this, but it's cool. <laughs> like, I appreciate the work that they did. And, um, for those who like want a taste of that game and want to revisit it for like nostalgic reasons, I think it's cool that they provided the experience of the game you want with like a very, uh, respectful and, and appropriate take on it. So. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I, uh, as a person who was born uh, over one month after 1990, I've actually never played Oregon yeah. Trail before.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, if you were born May 1990, you didn't play it. It was uh, it was April was the
0: last call. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I I've never checked it out. I've always wanted to. And like, this is the perfect reason for me to do it. Um, it's just I, I spent so much time playing another game on Apple Arcade uh, that I that I didn't get to uh, dive into it. But I'm, I'm really very yeah, interested I recommend in finally it. checking it's
1: it fun. out. It's fun. I also imagine it's like the fun of it is probably once you get a couple of runs in, you know, like once you get a better taste of like what's out there. Cause so far things have been going great for me. I'm led by a (laughs) paranoid but heroic priest. And like we've just helped out everyone we've run into. We ran into this cowardly ferryman who's like, I really recommend you pay me to take across the river. And guess what, Brendan? Guess what, dear listener? I did it. I crossed the river and we were fine. Whoa. Um and it's nice i don't think the original game did this they actually tell you what the probability is like oh, nice. so you can actually like wait like do you want to wait a day for conditions to improve so i waited for them to be like above 60% and then we did it we were, but it was like a 30 second animation of like i'm oh my, oh my god it's going to break any second oh <laughs> what i also really like is that the way they've handled like the wagon taking damage is there's like a Resident Evil 4 inventory tetris puzzle oh great but if you take damage, like you'll lose squares. So you'll have like literally less space to fit things and they'll mm. like fall out the wagon. So again, fun game would recommend. The only thing I will say too is that the hunting is like significantly uh, less fun than in the original. Weirdly. Oh. In the original game, the hunting was kind of like the the gamiest part of it, literally. Yeah. Um, but it was like a first person perspective and you it was like a very... It was like one of those arcade hunting games in your town bar. Like, you know, where like
0: kind of vibe? Duck
1: Hunt. <laughs> kind of like, yeah, it was like Duck Hunt where like a rabbit would show up or a deer and a bison. It was always exciting to see like one of the bigger animals come in, but it was actually harder to hit the small animals. Anyway, it was exciting as a kid at least. And this one, it's like a asteroid top-down view. And like deer just seem to run into you and around you like at no consequence. So it feels <laughs> a little like, eh, I don't know how this works, but um, it's fine. Like it's not... I think that the focus of the game is elsewhere, but it was something that I was like, oh, this could be fun on a tablet. And it like absolutely wasn't, (laughs) but they paid so much attention to, I think like the roguelike part of it that I think they've succeeded there. So it's fun. Interesting.
0: Okay. I'll, I'll talk about a game I played this one. This one I'll, I'll swing by real quick, but uh, I, uh, there's one called clap hands golf. Which is by the developer Claphands, Hands, uh, which you may know, dear listener, and you, Stephen, as the developers of Hot Shots Golf uh, for every like, PlayStation device and also uh, Everybody's Golf eventually when they just decided to retire the Hot Shots Golf uh, name for literally no reason and then revive it as the same game with a different name, Everybody's Golf. (laughs) Um, As far as I can tell, they do not have the rights to those names, which is why in this case for Apple Arcade, they made a game called Clap Hands Golf, just the name of the developer and then golf. So I guess you know who it is and what it is. (laughs) Who the Uh, hell made this? (laughs) um, And let me tell you, It's just Hot Shots Golf, uh, but on your phone. And uh, that's actually perfect. That's all I wanted. Uh, I I didn't play a whole lot of it. I went through the tutorial and did uh, one. I did like one uh, round of golf and uh, it was great. I will say that it does open in the wildest way possible with a Star Wars text crawl that opens with the paragraph. In the year 20XX, golfer's minds were blown when new rules were introduced. Never did anyone imagine rounds would be played as a team, one person per hole. Golf had become about assembling the best and oh my that God. really just set me up for uh, success I think as soon, yeah. as soon as I read that I was like you know what this is exactly what I needed from a golf game on my phone
1: I, I don't know what it is like I feel like golf games in the past two years have become like the most Dada of video games <laughs> Like between what the golf which is another great Apple Arcade exclusive and like I was about to say before you brought up the Star Wars text crawl uh, that um, that everybody's golf is like just unironically like very into golf you know yeah. like some like we have so many um like satirical golf games. we've got like Mario Golf. You've got the like uh Golden Sun RPG anime Academy golf game on the Game Boy Vance, Mario Golf uh
0: Yeah. An un- an unbelievable game. Uh what what was the game. one for um what was the one for switch the, the switch launch title golf, golf story Story. Yeah, yeah I was thinking of that
1: as well so there's like all these like really interesting experiments with golf and then everybody's golf's like yeah no golf just rules it's all we're doing uh, <laughs> and they're right and they're right I downloaded that I haven't played it yet but I'm excited to I, I I'm glad you sent me up for that text roll because I think I might have uninstalled it after that
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's I'll good I, here's what I would recommend I would recommend because as I mentioned I played a lot of these games on a lot of devices I do not recommend playing this one on your computer yeah. this game with mouse and keyboard was not fun literally at all and then as soon as i moved over to my phone and my ipad a million times better Um, yeah but uh it's good man i mean if if you like if you like hotshots golf or everybody's golf uh it is that and it's on your phone so i would definitely recommend checking it out i
1: should mention yeah i played all these on my ipad i imagine that like they're all fun on either phone or or tablet but i think um Tyco Pop Tap should be on iPad if you have one. I uh, totally agree. Yeah. 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 Really good. Okay. That brings me to a big one. Are you ready for the big one? I am ready for this one because I didn't get to play this one. Okay. So this one's called World of Demons. It is Platinum Games' first mobile game. Isn't that wild? Whoa. Platinum Games who make uh Bayonetta, Near Automata. Uh they're known for a like very theatrical kind of hack and slash style. And World of Demons is that on your phone or tablet. It is really, really fun. Um so to set it up, it's basically, it has a very similar art style to Okami. It has that sort of feudal Japan calligraphy brush kind of art style. And the setting, the, the setup for the story, which, you know, is, is light, but it's fun, is that, um, you know, humans and yokai live in peace and Oni, the demons, are jealous. And there's an evil demon who, like, kind of corrupts the minds of all the yokai and uses them to try to take over Earth. Oh, um, Okay. So what's interesting is that the game begins and you're this sort of like Felix adjacent, like, who cares? I'm just here for myself. Samurai Uh uh, who is fighting demonic yokai. But what's really fun is whenever you meet a new yokai, so the first one you fight is a kappa, which is like a very iconic folklore demon, the water, like kind of duck like amphibian beings. Anyway, you fight a kappa. And when you defeat an enemy for the first time, there's like a little bit of dialogue between the two where they're like, oh shit, I'm so sorry I did that. And like they'll just like kind (laughs) of talk for a bit which I really think is fun because it's like you're this sort of edge lord samurai who's like kind of uh, uncorrupting the minds of these characters. So yeah. it has a little bit of, of Okami or even a Breath of the Wild's vibe of like purifying a corrupted place. Mm-hmm. And what's really fun is that when you beat a yokai for the first time, you also get the ability to summon them. So you there's kind of like a Pokemon aspect here where like, In the beginning, you're just slashing your sword, but then you get a yokai. uh, And, like, whenever you defeat an enemy, they drop, like, gold and, like, a little icon with their face. And when you tap their face, each yokai does a unique ability that has a unique element. Oh, cool. uh, it may, you know, so the first one you get is a kappa. The kappa, like, you know, shoots a big wave. What's really fun is that your starting weapon has two like yokai materia slots in it so you can equip two yokai that you just have the whole level they'll take a cooldown to be able to recharge they also have a bar that's just like whatever you find but it's like a one and done consumable but what's neat is that if you have a double, so like if I had a kappa equipped on my sword and I found a kappa yokai by defeating one, you'll see like them linked, and if you hold them down, they do like a super move. So they like there's like a big
0: tidal wave of kappas. That's fun.
1: So I will say that the beginning of the game feels like okay, this is like a platinum game on a phone. Like it's fun. You know, the yeah, how does it control? Is
0: it is it like. Uh... Twin
1: sticks, like virtual twin sticks, kind of. With one hand, you're slashing in a direction to move. Mm-hmm. So kind of like a virtual stick, but it's kind of anywhere on the screen. Okay. And then on the bottom right, there's a button you you tap to attack, and then there's a button you tap to evade. But what's really fun in traditional Platinum style is like they're so good at that. Like they're so good at giving mm. you two buttons and just doing the most you can with two buttons. Totally. If you, they don't even tell you how to do this, but if you dodge at the exact right time. He like leaps off screen and does like a big slash when he comes back. Oh, cool. And as you level up, you unlock different combos. So now it's like, if I hold attack, I can do a move. So it starts off really simple, but as you get more combos and better at evading, and as you get more yokai, it becomes really fun. And some yokai are like, you hit them, you, hit, you tap their, their face and they show up and do the move. Other yokai, like there's one that's like a face on a wheel. Um, When you summon them, it goes into their perspective and you have to aim and let them go and they do like a bunch of hits at once. Cool. It's really fun. And I really like, whenever they introduce a yokai, there's like a giant scroll that like reveals them and their name uh, so it's like very theatrical in a fun way there are other characters you can unlock too I haven't unlocked anyone else yet I'm like two or three levels in um, and then at the very very end there's a boss who like literally has a Sekiro uh, posture meter that when you break it stuns them and you can do more damage and man it's just a really good time I think I might actually I've been playing this on tablet and it's been fun but I think this might actually be better on your phone because it's like mm. it got heavy to hold it up and like the art style seems to be made in a way that will probably look better if it's a little smaller like somehow being blown up it looked like a little bit kind of like compressed but it's it's got a lot of character it's really fun and it's very addictive like i i was another this is another game that I was like oh I've been playing this for three hours All right, I need to like chill that's awesome but yeah it's it's a lot of fun if you like platinum games I think this is like this is kind of synonymous with what we were saying of like this is not like a less than but on mobile game like this could have been like a platinum game released anywhere but I think it's really utilizing the touch controls with like summoning the kappa and like while you're pulling off combos once you have like all the tools the game wants you to have it really starts to click
0: yeah th- this gets back to my like big confusion point about this specific Apple Arcade launch where there was like literally no fanfare leading up to it at all and like no marketing because world world of demons was a game that was announced in 2018 that you know platinum games was like hey we're making this big thing it's going to be on mobile which they had announced even back then uh it was going to be published by uh dna d-e-n-a who are now like uh, essentially just like what nintendo is using to publish all their mobile stuff these days um but that said it was like this you know big kind of splashy announcement for that game and then it just completely vanished you know just like completely uh disappeared into the mist and here we are a couple of years later not only does it exist still after not hearing about it for three years but it's already out and it's on apple arcade um it yeah. also looks completely different than the thing that they announced by the way because uh, i went back and watched the original like release of or the original um uh announcement of that and it's completely different looking um and there's a there's a good interview on ign where they talk about the the making of of this game um, because somebody at ign had the same question that was just like where the fuck did this go and why is it back uh and essentially they were like yeah we we started making it we realized it was really bad and then we uh started from the beginning again so they like wiped the whole game out and then started from scratch and did it again and that's what you're playing uh i'm very interested in checking it out very interested yeah. in it but it's also it's it's just so confusing that there was no lead up to this at all <laughs> um and and you know yeah. that like i'm sure platinum wanted to talk about it and i'm sure this is like an apple thing where it was like we need complete silent you know because such a company obsessed with secrecy you know just in terms of their hardware like of course that would uh bleed over into the software side as well they wouldn't want anyone to know what's coming in the new apple arcade release but like they do they did that at the disservice of the stuff in the apple arcade release you know yeah um, especially in a in a, an industry where like the news cycle moves as quickly as it does with games journalism like wild to just not announce it until the day of like this yeah 30 shadow drops at once is not uh, <laughs> not <laughs> really the move you know <laughs> yeah, but yeah it's, it's a lot of fun um, let me know how you like it when you when you get
1: to play it and uh, I will say to you my one thing is that the camera can be a little bit annoying sometimes mm. but you know you just sort of click and drag or touch and drag yeah um, I just have a feeling it's better on phone for some reason, but I I had a great time on my tablet. I was just tired of holding it.
0: Yeah, no, I very I very much get that. W- weirdly, I didn't mention this, but uh, I actually ordered the Backbone controller for my phone. Oh, fun! Which I'm very interested in checking out. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about it. It was like a it was a controller that um, was like being touted by like big YouTubers for a while. You know, like they were clearly like doing brand deals with big YouTubers and influencers and stuff to like try and uh, sell this controller. Um and then eventually a bunch of articles just started popping up that were like hey this thing's actually really good. I know it seems like really goofy cuz like Mr Beast had it in a YouTube video but <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really great. So uh I picked one up I, I didn't get it in time to do this episode obviously but uh I should have it I think this coming week so I can talk about it. Um and how it how it feels next week because uh I'm very excited about it especially playing Fantasian with it which I think is probably my plan later. But anyway, uh that said i have one more game that i played uh, did you have more that was it for me uh, until fantasia which we'll talk about later okay i have one more game that i played that i definitely need to talk about um there's a game that they released called star trek legends <laughs> i'm so excited for there this he is. Ah! Uh, i saw picard yeah i fainted i, I just held uh, captain jean-luc picard up to the screen um i love him yeah so there's a game called Star Trek Legends uh, it's it's um, weirdly enough a lot like Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes or um, I, I don't know any kind of like gotcha like uh, IP collection game where like you're just literally getting like a premium currency so you can continue like rolling and summoning quote unquote characters from whatever IP you're playing as you know um, it's, it's exactly that kind of game it's the most like in-app purchase laden nightmare shit possible that said because it's on Apple Arcade, there are no in-app purchases at all. And that's that's one of the stipulations of Apple Arcade that I forgot to mention earlier, is that you're not allowed to have in-app purchases. Like, if if it's on Apple Arcade, that means that, like, the game is the game and you're not buying anything else. What's wild about Star Trek Legends is that it plays and looks exactly like it would have had it not launched on Apple Arcade. It's just, like, you get all the stuff that you wanted, which is wild. So, like... (laughs) Throughout the course of just playing the game, you just like get Worf and you get... Jean-Luc Picard and you get Captain Kirk and like all of those things like you just continue to accumulate the things that would normally cost like $900 of you know just like random loot box encounters and that's a really kind of bizarre thing this feels like it dropped out of like an alternate universe where there was no such thing as in our purchases at all where like the game design systems are still set up exactly the same way they would have you're still getting premium currencies and stuff like that but you don't have to pay for them and you get them like in such a like liberal way where they're just like dumping them on you it almost makes me feel like this game was like a last minute apple arcade edition where like they were working on it and at some point someone at apple was like hey do you want to put this on apple arcade we'll like pay you up front this amount of money you just have to strip all the in app purchase stuff out and then they were like okay cool and then they didn't change anything else at all they they didn't change a single thing I don't know if I recommend playing this game. Like if you like this kind of game uh, and you're curious what it would look like, and that's kind of how it feels to me. It just feels more like a curiosity than anything else. Then definitely check it out. I personally have played games like this in the past and really enjoyed them. You know, like trying to play for free without like spending any money and just like seeing what you can do and seeing what kind of teams you can accumulate. So in that respect, this is a very strange game to be playing. Uh, and and I, I I don't know if I'm enjoying it. But I definitely am uh, intrigued by it, and I have played more of it than I thought I was going to because of that. Let's see. I spent eighty dollars
1: and I got eight Ensign Wesleys. Oh, good.
0: Oh, <laughs> let me try that again. Uh, yeah, I I did get warp four times in a row, which was weird. Yes. That felt like the game was glitching in some way, shape, or form. But now my warp yeah. is very strong, so oh, whatever. Yeah.
1: yeah. Can you fuse duplicates
0: like in Final Heroes? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's exactly cool. like that. I don't know. I, may, maybe check it out. Whatever. It's can Star I get Trek Darmoc? Legends. I'm sure you can. Oh, man, don't The, tell whole, me that. the whole conceit of, of the game is uh, that you're the captain of, like, some other, you know, Federation ship and you get launched into the Nexus and it keeps ripping different characters from different Star Trek franchises out of time <laughs> and putting them on your ship.
1: Oh cool. I got Thomas
0: Riker. No, no, no.
1: I wanted Will Riker. I wanted Will <laughs> Anyway, that's fun. I'm glad you're enjoying it. What a world in which you can just get that all for free. I love that. It's
0: so confusing. Yeah. It's such a weird thing. I I don't know, man. <laughs> Maybe download it and check it out. I will say like there's a lot of representation for uh, Star Trek Discovery in here, which is like one of the only Star Trek series that I haven't watched yet. So there are a lot of characters that I'm getting. I'm like, I don't know who this is. Then I hover over them. It says from Star Trek Discovery. Uh, so I, I'm very interested in, in what's You're going like, on. Where there. the
1: hell is Nog? <laughs> <laughs> you know me. Big Nog head. Big, big Nog. No, he's the first Ferengi in, the, in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you want to move on? Yeah, <laughs> I think we, we lose to. our entire audience i think whenever we stumble into star trek people enjoy it i would i would wager that
0: it's possible it's possible the opposite's also possible steven we don't know
1: uh you want to move on to the break talk about monster hunter for a bit and then talk about fantasia for maybe two to three hours <laughs>
0: sounds really good yeah let's do that make it so <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. all right goodbye gotcha bye steven you and I are both back in the show. You got a beer. I got some wine. It's Easter Sunday, so I got Easter some Sunday. wine. Happy Easter. Yeah, so celebrate. Yeah. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna be totally honest So we're gonna talk about Monster Hunter Rise. I'm gonna be honest. I, I had a pretty rough week, just like in yeah. uh in at work, out of work, just like bad brain week in general. Um and I gotta say, the the best thing about this week definitely has been playing more Monster Hunter Rise especially online I think like we've like really yeah. come into this like nice groove like you and I are in a discord with some of our friends and we've just been like saying hey is anyone around does anyone feel like hunting right now and you know people jump on we'll just have like impromptu hunting sessions and uh man I don't think you and I played a lot of multiplayer before we talked about it last week and now we've played a lot of multiplayer (laughs) yes uh, yes. and it has like significantly improved my opinion of a game I already very much loved
1: yeah yeah it's been so much fun I mean I think like there's weirdly a void for like true co-op you know like I think Like a lot of games will have co op as like an afterthought or whatever, but like mm. a game that's built around co op is like so great to have right now. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it just, I mean, we if you want our thoughts on the game itself, I'm not going to reverberate that. We said that last week in last week's episode, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say that like you know, the game divides into the village quests and the hub quests. The village quest we kind of focused on last week, and it's like such a great sense of progression, it's a little bit easier, so you can kind of like fly through it if you want, and you can even fly through it by just like gathering mushrooms like you just have to do like you know three of the five quests and sometimes it's just like just go here and have fun yeah but like the hub quest is like for you and i people who have played the series before is like kind of the other side that we were had not yet experienced so it was like really thrilling to fight what was the monster that like uh shoots like bullet hell poison balls magamalo yeah yeah Yeah, that that fight was so thrilling in like a very like dark souls boss way in a good way you know like oh shit we're here we got to work together fuck i just fainted uh good luck i'm eating some steak before i go back
0: yeah yeah that that was i mean i i was yelling at the top of my lungs for like most of that fight when when we were doing it uh what was that yesterday i guess i was yesterday um but like while while we did that fight it was just like oh my god i forgot that this is what monster hunter feels like like i've been i've been so I, i guess just kind of uh sucked into the uh the like coziness of the rest of the game. And like most of the fights were just kind of like, you know, all of us hanging out together, just like really like chatting and not really like paying a whole lot of attention to what we were doing in game, um, which is great. And I love that vibe for monster hunter. I think it's really good. That's like one of the things that people go to monster hunter for, but the other part of it that I had like completely forgotten was as soon as you hit that Magnamalo fight, it's like, Oh yeah, the game difficulty wise ramps up not to the point where like you're going to lose more. It's just, you need to pay more attention to what's happening. Yes.
1: Yeah. At that point, like it, it comes late enough that you've already digested enough of the information, and like yeah, we're like
0: thirty or forty hours into the game, is, right? Is, is when you <laughs> hit that point, you know, I don't know somehow, yeah. But um,
1: yeah, it, it it was also like it has cemented. We already praised the music, but the music in this game, like, really adds a lot to those oh fights. God, yeah, you know, like there's some really, really like uh fun and uplifting scores happening as you fight these monsters that like adds a sense of importance that isn't there narratively, mm-hmm. but is like. Really, really cool. We also did Rampage Mode, which like I hadn't played when we recorded last week. You had played and kind of was like, I don't really know how I feel about this.
0: Yeah, I didn't want to bring it up until you had also played it. Yeah I, yeah, I intentionally left that out of the last uh, episode, and also you and I have played it multiplayer now as well. Um, yeah, but yeah, what do you what do you think of Rampage Mode? I guess it's probably worth like describing what Rampage Mode right, is on yeah. the top. Also. So
1: Rampage Mode is like in both Village and Hub quests. Occasionally, uh a character will be like, "Hey." Urgent Quest uh there's a rampage happening that's kind of also like the the main story is that there's like there's a period in the in the land called a rampage where monsters like kind of act out of funk and they start being more hostile so it's happening and it's basically like sort of like a tower defense kind of wave based Survival game, but like you as a hunter, uh, can like you know, you're in this stronghold where there are like kind of three like levels of defense, and you can, uh, in the beginning, your stronghold is a certain level, so you can put up like uh, auto turrets or manual turrets or like limited edition things, like Fugen the Elder, who's like just incredible, like uh, in every way. I love that <laughs> character so much, but he just like obliterates things. You can summon the chef who has a minigun for some reason so like that's all fun but when you play for the first time single player we already criticize like this game's tutorialness of like not telling you what you need to know but telling you way too much of stuff you don't need to know right away in a way that's confusing Yeah, and never it's like crystallized in the worst way in the rampage mode in a- single player absolutely, like, yeah. it is so not fun that like I, I was worried that it was going to actually get in the way of my enjoyment of the game because I'm like I'm not really into this conceptually like I don't like don't really need a, a tower based survival game in, in this art pretty great game. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of times games will like have this urge to like like a uh, Gravity Rush 2 is what I think of first. A game I adore despite its flaws. Uh great game. You can get it for like $5 if you have a PS4. <laughs> i really recommend. Uh also with the Vita store going down, um Gravity Rush 1 is remastered on PS4 as well, so they're both there and they're like they'll pay you to buy them. Like they're so cheap. Anyway, <laughs> uh Gravity Rush 2 is a game that is all about changing the direction of gravity. So you're flying by falling basically. It's a really really cool, uh, like central mechanic for a game that somehow pulls it off and is like really fun to play. So the game is at its best when it's kind of, it feels like Spider-Man 2018 Marvel Spider-Man, uh, where like, the best parts of that are like swinging from one place to another and these are very open big battles but for whatever reason both games actually are like what if we had a really closed environment where you couldn't use your superpower and there was an instant death stealth mission it's like <laughs> why why do you think i want any of that like i don't want that given in spider-man i at least liked playing as mary jane and miles as like you know to get their perspective but like mechanically it really overstayed its welcome because like i wanted those characters to have more to do than just die if someone's saw them. Right. You know, so I was worried that the Rampage one was going to be the instant death self mission of (laughs) Monster Hunter. Yeah, um, really. It just the tutorial is so bad that it gives a really bad first impression. We played a multiplayer and it was way more fun. I wouldn't say it's like going to be the thing I play the game for, but it's the kind of thing where like if we need to do it, it will be like a fun change up.
0: I was just about to say it, it's not like the thing that we're going to jump into on purpose. It's going to be the thing that gets presented to us as an urgent quest and we have to get past it. But I am less upset about needing to play it now yeah I I was like kind of like you uh, thinking about this idea of like okay this game is like kind of breaking outside of its own you know structure and like trying something new and you have to like appreciate that on some level but they just so don't stick the landing in that first attempt at rampage but I was really curious what multiplayer would feel like and it definitely was like significantly more fun doing that with a bunch of people Um, that still means that in the village quests you know the single player stuff you're still going to have to do them by yourself which like i've done a couple by myself in the village quest and like not stoked about it personally um just like a thing i have to get through um because the resource you get from that is so good so like so useful they reward you so heavily yeah yeah that like sometimes you just gotta do it um but outside of that it is nice to know that like if we get really bored someday or like if we're fighting the same monster over and over again we could like take a break and go do rampage mode once and just like not think about it for another week or something
1: yeah it feels like it kind of feels like what i assumed the ghost of tsushima multiplayer would feel like but was actually amazing it's like if that wasn't amazing it would be yes yes yeah that's a good point yeah it's very much the vibe they're both kind of wave-based survivals but i think like i think the reason is that in i mean i wouldn't otherwise compare the games but like in the idea of like taking a central mechanic and putting it in a different genre Mm -hmm. I think that the reason the Ghost of Tsushima multiplayer works is because, okay, yes, you're doing like a wave-based survival game, but you're still using the combat and tools of the game. This is a great point. Yes. Whereas in Rampage, it's like, you can still go down and hunt the monsters face-to-face, but you're... Priority is just like installing turrets and operating turrets, which is like not not why you're playing that game,
0: you know. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. When I first heard that rampage mode was going to be a thing in this game, my assumption was going to be that it was like you and a group of friends, like in a in an arena kind of place, uh, which like there is an arena in this game and it's cool. But like I I was expecting like an arena style place where there are just waves of monsters coming and you just need to take them out as quickly as possible. Maybe you do some like weird stuff where like you're getting buffed so your attacks do more so you can take them out faster something so you could like carve through a bunch of monsters really quick that was my assumption here and while it is that you're right it just focuses on like what if you put a, a bamboo bomb up in the front and then you put another one in the back and then every once in a while you press a lever for the for the I don't, I don't, the Dragonator, you know, like that's not that's yeah. not why Monster Hunter is fun, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, but I think uh, imagine a version of that where it is you and your three friends in a cl- enclosed environment. Yeah, all like wailing on like four monsters at once. That would be rad. That would be so cool.
1: Yeah, and as it stands, it's like it doesn't change my opinion of the game at all, but it just sort of like it's it's not as compelling as the main game, which like I don't think it has intentions to be. I don't think it's like competing for your attention, but it is something you have to do and is so worth doing for the rewards that it's Mm like, okay, whatever. But yeah, it's I mean, in terms of our time with the game itself like my love for that game has only grown uh it, it's it, it's really cool too enough time has passed that i've been checking our discord and we have a really active monster hunter channel and like a lot of people there are playing for the first time and the, and a lot of people have been communicating how like yeah. they've never been able to get into the series before until now and it just feels like this is a really great place to start and like so many people are playing that like it's it's the time you know like totally I imagine this will have a community for a long time but like it's fun when everyone is playing at the jump in
0: yes I was just about to say I think I think that's the most important thing and the thing that maybe like uh, I, I, I wanna, like I want to like add as an amendment to what we had said last week about this being the best place to jump in the best place to jump in is the one that everybody's playing at that time always yeah. you know like there are so many resources on the internet right now about how to get into monster hunter that like you can probably find a good way to get into monster hunter I do think that the best way always will be to start playing by yourself for like 30 minutes and then when you have questions like go to a YouTube video or like go to a forum and see if somebody has answered those questions that's pr- like if you're by yourself that's the best way to do it the actual best way to do it just start the game with a friend who knows what they're doing you know which yeah. like is uh, maybe a frustrating thing to be recommended uh, but it is absolutely the best way to play the our game. Our friend Pablo is our like Fugan the
1: Elder who's like the like strong yeah. wise hunter who's showed us <laughs> the ropes we'll give you his number directly and he can help you out <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah he's been he's been super helpful and i have played enough of these games at this point where like i know my way around like most of the stuff that's happening it's just like a question of what has changed since the last games that i've played which is fun i will say that i am at the point in the game now where both the village quests and the hub quests have both gotten to the point where they are like hard and that's yeah. really fun. I'm having a really fun time.
1: I would say that happens in the hub. It's the three star quests, and in the village, it's the four or five star four. quests. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Because um, the the end of the four star quests is Magnamalo, and the beginning of the three star quest in the in the hub is also Magnamalo, uh, and that feels like the the big moment. It's like when you get over that hurdle, that's when they start throwing like the really big shit at you. You know,
1: what I love too is like as soon as we both beat uh, Magnamalo, we got like a bunch of new quests in the village. Yeah. And, like, a lot of them are like, take a picture of a sleeping Arzarus and then you get a teddy bear. Like, yeah. I love that there are so many quests that aren't just about go kill this thing. It's like, you kept saying this is the most dangerous version of Pokemon Snap. And I feel like I'm going to like Pokemon Snap less after playing this game. I think so, too. You know, it's like, it's so hard to top the thrill of, like, pulling out a camera as something just charges And you're like, yes, yes, beautiful. More, more, more. And then you yeah. just get killed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I will still get Pokemon Snap. I'm very excited for that game. But I think, like... Uh, weirdly there's like a meta game of like a a nature photographer you could role play as in this game that is like way more fun than Rampage mode (laughs) I'm not
0: not sure if this is actually a mechanic in the game I haven't like gone and checked but I do wonder if when you take pictures of things if it unlocks more information about them in the hunter's notes or whatever I would love that because that feels like such an obvious connection that should happen there because when you when you hover over either a monster or like a person in the village or any of the endemic life that you can find it shows you in the top write like the name of that thing so it it, like identifies what you're taking a picture of and I wonder if there's any connection there I do know that in the hunters notes you can replace the like hand-drawn version of them with whatever photo you've taken of them oh fun Um, so you can like you can like add your own photos to the hunters notes which is really cool but I wonder if it adds more information Um, that just seems like an obvious thing and maybe if not in this game then in the next one or something I do love all the art though I might just keep them yeah I haven't done that at all but I I, I like that the options there and
1: I do like you can put like you said last time you can put the photo Photos you take in your house and frames. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's just an incredible game. It's like uh, getting better and better. We just wanted to really stress that. In case you didn't <laughs> sense it last week, yeah, we really like this
0: game. Yeah, I've been playing it a lot. I'm gonna. I'm. I literally have a uh, session scheduled with a friend of mine directly after this recording. Also, like, I'm, yeah, I, I, think,
1: I think I'm also playing tonight with another friend too. Great, Monster
0: Hunter. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's gonna be a great time. Um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway, you want to move on?
0: I, yeah, I think we have to. We've been putting it off long enough.
1: <laughs> if you thought we weren't still here, dear listener. Oh my <laughs> God. We both needed a drink to do the next section. I'm saying that much. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk more about Star Trek heroes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Steven Hilger. Hello. Me? Yeah. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, here's the thing Fantasian video game for ios devices mac os devices tv os devices i've been looking forward to this one for a long time and and weirdly enough i i think i've like primed myself to be excited about it because i went back and i played uh blue dragon for the xbox 360 and also lost odyssey for the xbox 360 two games by Mistwalker studios which you dear listener may know as the project or the studio opened by Hironobu sakaguchi the creator of Final Fantasy, who eventually left Square Enix and then started his own studio and uh, released a bunch of video games.
1: When did he leave? Was it after 10 or ten two?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think he was a, uh, uh, I think we talked about this recently, but I think he was a director on... Final Fantasy 10. And that was like the last one he had involvement in and then bailed. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Based on what I will say later. Very much. Yeah. I was yeah. actually going to say something similar, but uh, yeah, essentially what happened was uh, just a quick recap. Uh, at a certain point, uh, the leads at the Xbox division at Microsoft really like noticed that there were no console sales at all in Japan um, and decided to hire Mistwalker studios to make two exclusive Xbox 360 games Um, That were like just tried and true RPGs in the style of Final Fantasy from the creator of Final Fantasy. And the first I think the first one was Blue Dragon, um, which had art by Akira Toriyama, who people would know from the Dragon Ball series and also from Dragon Quest. And, you know, just feels a lot like I would say like a Final Fantasy seven ish. Uh, kind of style JRPG with Toriyama art. I played it. Uh, it's available on Xbox currently through Backwards Compatibility. You can go check it out. Generally on sale constantly for like $5 to $8. Um, <laughs> and uh, a lot of people really, really like that game. I kind of bounce off of it. I didn't have as good a time as I would have liked to. And what I have frequently heard is one or the other you will like. It'll either be Blue Dragon or Lost Odyssey, which is another one that I played and like really fell in love with and played a bunch of. Yeah, um, I still t- want
1: to play I Got it after you talked about it, but
0: yeah. yeah, uh, talked about it on the show. Um, I think Lost Odyssey is the best comparison point for Fantasian but I'll talk about why later. But that game, um, is like I would say more Final Fantasy 12 in terms of like graphic style, um, yeah. just like the, the look of that thing, um a lot of really interesting uh, mechanics going on with the combat system but really generally both Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey and from what i understand the other games that Mistwalker has made that are no longer available the last story was on the Nintendo Wii which is like long gone and i think there are no plans to like port or do anything with you know classic Nintendo move but also i've seen uh representatives at Mistwalker say like they have no interest in porting that game either cuz they'd rather make new stuff which i can appreciate definitely totally yeah um but from what i understand their vibe is just like like, we kind of nailed the combat system with Final Fantasy X, and we're just going to like keep doing that kind of thing, <laughs> and like add a couple tweaks here and there to just kind of like spice it up. Uh, Blue Dragon really doesn't add take. anything; it just like is Final Fantasy X's combat. Lost Odyssey has this really wonderful system called the Ring System, which uh, when you're attacking, you have like kind of a uh, like a rhythm game that happens where there's like a ring closing in on another ring, and you have to hold down the right trigger and let go of it when the first ring overlaps the second smaller one. Um, and depending on how close you get to to like nailing that is the amount of damage you do with your attack, which is like really fun, really good. There's a bunch of other systems in that game that are really great. You can go back and listen to our episode about it. But all of that said, the next game that uh, Mr. Walker was working on was Fantasian, which we had seen some press about like a couple months ago. And then uh follow up, as we mentioned, Sakaguchi went and did a whole bunch of like, uh, like uh, interviews recently, just talking about the game. But the big like tentpole thing is number one made from the ground up for like touchscreens essentially and the second thing is that all of the environments or most of the environments are essentially like actual like diorama models that they went and used like a google maps camera to capture in 3d uh and then you they they put the uh characters in the game in those 3d models in that in those dioramas and there are a lot of interesting interviews about like how that worked and like the challenges that that you know brings up like in every other game ever developed pretty much except for this one the the formula would be you start to make the environment you realize like oh maybe there should be a pathway here maybe there shouldn't be a pathway here like maybe this isn't great and then you can go into like the environment Uh, assets and like change them and in this you really can't do that you need to know everything immediately before you build the diorama because it's going to be very hard like you'd have to build a whole new diorama if you wanted to change anything about that level design so it created a bunch of challenges and it seemed like at least my idea based on those interviews it seemed like everyone at Mistwalker was like really fucking jazzed about this it was like a really cool interesting constraint On the game design side, that was really exciting everybody working on Fantasian. That kind of excitement, like coming through in those interviews, is the exact kind of thing that I look for personally when I reading interviews like that because totally. yeah. like here's a studio that has made a bunch of games that are like you know critically praised for the most part even if they weren't like commercially very successful but like you just know that there's greatness in these people and like it's waiting to come out and just like when are they going to get as excited about a new game that they're working on as they have been in the past you know going back to the Final Fantasy games and this seemed like it might have all of the ingredients you know like here's Apple coming through with a shitload of money to just say right. just please make an Apple Arcade exclusive game. Vielen <laughs> Uh, make it exactly like you know your, your uh, old JRPGs Them putting a quick note on that
1: it's uh, not to cut you off but it's so funny like not to root on any corporation but like Apple Google and Amazon have all been trying to get into games in some way yes and Apple knows like we don't know anything here's a bunch of money just do it <laughs> <laughs> and that's like yeah. exactly what a corporation should think when they're engaging in an art form they know nothing about unlike Amazon and Google unfortunately
0: yeah yeah uh, especially Amazon if you've read those yes. Bloomberg yes. reports on how Amazon's games. Uh, studios are being run but anyway yeah they just gave like Mistwalker a shitload of money said like make something that's exclusive for art for us and uh, Mistwalker themselves put these kind of creative constraints on themselves as well that would like get them excited do a thing that they've always been interested in because even if you read some of those interviews uh, they discuss a lot that like this has kind of been a long time coming as an idea like they've tried to make games that kind of replicate a diorama adjacent look to them Blue Dragon I think is actually a really good example if you have ever seen that game's uh, visualization Because, like, they have the Toriyama art in there for the character design and stuff like that and the the enemy design but the environments are all using this like really 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 like hardcore kind of depth of field effect that makes it all look diorama adjacent it has that um, what is that called tilt shift kind of vibe to it so it looks like dioramas even though it's not and this game is like no let's just go all the way let's like actually do it we have the technology we would need to like photograph these things and like scan them into a 3D space Uh, from what I understand they like went in and did some like touch up work on it digitally also after the fact they could add more things to it and whatever, but it just seemed to me like Fantasian was like primed to be maybe like Mistwalker's best game, if I were to guess. I, I, th- it was just me, like, I, I guess, like, pulling conjecture out of interviews that I was reading, but I was really excited about it. And then it just fucking showed up out of nowhere on <laughs> Friday. Like, I saw a post on a subreddit that was like, Hey, Fantasian is out in Japan right now, you know, because it, it was, uh, it was April 1st, I guess, in, in Japan, but it wasn't here yet. Um, there's like Fantasia is out in Japan right now. It's possible that it's going to come out in the U S tomorrow, maybe, you know, when it hits midnight. Um, and everybody was just kind of like hanging out, waiting to see if that was going to happen. And then of course we got the Apple arcade announcement, the 30 games that come out at once, one of them being Fantasia. And, uh, I immediately downloaded it and started playing it. And, uh, man, it is so immediately great. I mean, it it is like, it is far and away my favorite Mistwalker game so far. Um, Oh, wow having cool. played a bunch of it I, I I think there are a lot of comparison points to Lost Odyssey that I want to get into later but I'm loving this thing what I will say for those of you because I know there's been a very Apple Arcade centric episode we mentioned this earlier a lot of games from that first wave Apple Arcade games are no longer Apple Arcade exclusives a lot of them are available on other platforms like the Switch and whatever I would be very very surprised if Fantasian remains an Apple Arcade exclusive I think that this game is going to show up on the Switch and other platforms eventually
1: yeah me too I hope so so at least um
0: uh, what are you thinking about it how are you feeling about fantasia so far oh my god we've been putting this off for actual hours we
1: both had like multiple drinks between uh <laughs> when we were planning on this and in this moment man i love it i really love it i'm actually i shouldn't be surprised because those who listen to the show know i'm a huge final fantasy fan and here is the creator of final fantasy making a new game mm-hmm. but it, like you said it's immediately great i have a lot to say but just like top (laughs) level i think that going back to this sort of like constant theme of the episode of like mobile games or or you know games in this package not being a less than version i mean this this feels so much like a full-fledged final fantasy game even though it's on your tablet or on your phone or whatever that's what i could say like objectively and just like on a top level it is just like so my shit too like for better <laughs> and for worse it's so tailor-made for me so i would say and this is something i've been excited to talk about because i think that like there have been a lot of rpgs that have come out that have been purposely retro and usually when you hear retro you think of super nintendo so you have games like octopath traveler project triangle strategy same team mm-hmm but stuff like that that is like very much directly harkening back to like a very specific era of RPGs I think mean, that art style is so timeless and still so coveted that we see it all the time yeah what's fascinating about this game is that it is laser focused on like the awkward teen years of Final Fantasy yeah it is it is so the vibe of seven to ten like and it's interesting cuz I actually read an interview with Sakaguchi right the mm-hmm. creator and he said that he replayed Final Fantasy 4 recently uh, a game that actually our producer AJ's been playing and loving and I'm so happy cuz 4 weirdly underrated even though it's not it's one of those you yeah. know like great game we talked about it a while ago but uh also like tons of ways to play for it's the most preserved of all the Final Fantasies it's everywhere yeah uh, there are, great are great on mobile great on mobile but Sakaguchi replayed 4 and was like, I want to hearken back to my roots. But weirdly, I would compare this more to, like, it has big 9 energy. Like, very big 9 energy. And that, like, uh, Fantasian as a game feels like it is very self-aware of the, like, tropes and settings. But is also while tackling very heavy, like, end-of-the-world plot beats, it's also not afraid to be extremely goofy. Yeah. And, like, that kind of hybrid is, like, so my thing. Like, I love the, like, kind of tongue-in-cheek tone that isn't, like, winking at a camera, like, oh, <laughs> there's a boss here. Like, it's not, it's not like, negating what's <laughs> happening, but it's not afraid to be, like, okay, in a sandstorm, here's a weird-ass minigame that will never come back where you're just hitting an exclamation point above certain characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stuff like uh and 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 nine had that vibe. The story, uh, without spoiling just like overall beats, it begins with the protagonist Leo, who looks like he's from Yorha, so I'm already on board. Yes. He is kind of like He's simultaneously kind of a generic Final Fantasy protagonist, but also a little bit like there's a little enough of a twist that I'm like at least interested in where his story is going, even if he's not especially interesting right away. The game opens. It's him and these two like incredible robots. Also, like just on another top level, the character design here, I actually really, really love. Me too. I am not. I'm not crazy about the like the 3D like models of them, but I love the at least like close up. a like, close up, some of the faces are like a little uncanny to me. But I love the art style of like the um if you go into the settings in the menu, like the like profiles of the character, and also there are beats which I'm sure you'll talk about later with your comparisons to uh, Lost Odyssey. There are these like kind of virtual novel moments that feature like hand drawn art. It's like beautiful, really really good. Also. This is composed by Nobuo Uematsu, and it's like maybe one of
0: his best scores, I think. Fucking ridiculous music in this game.
1: It's so unlike anything he's ever done too, which I think is like a really big risk to take so late in your career. Yeah. A lot of different instruments, a lot of different vibes, it it, it really, really works, especially in those moments I think we'll talk about later.
0: Yeah, it starts off very samey and then there are a couple moments where it's like, oh shit, you're doing something new and then okay, like yeah. at a certain point it just kind of like unleashes, you know, it's it's almost yes. like, it's almost like a goof that like he he's doing where like in the beginning it just feels so much like Final Fantasy 7 happening again and yes. then eventually becomes something so new and so interesting
1: yeah and and actually the beginning of the game feels a lot like final fantasy 7 where you're leo and these two robots who i love uh <laughs> who are in this like futuristic setting It feels a lot like the Mako Reactor, where just like you're starting off in the action. Yeah. Probably a little, it's like, I love when games begin with where you're actually going to get to like five hours in, but they're giving you a taste of what's to come. Right. And in this environment, you're doing like light puzzles akin to Final Fantasy 7 to 10. You know, you you move around these diorama environments by touching on your phone or tablet and the little red pin appears and your character will move towards the pin. And what's really cool is that in the battles, again, I mentioned earlier that like men New driven battle systems or tactics on a touchpad or it's such a dream and the battles quickly even though like they start off pretty generic i enjoyed them greatly because again this is like so my shit and also it was just it was very pleasant to like lay on a couch with a tablet and just sort of like hit attack use potion you know i'm into it i'm mm-hmm. in i know what you're doing i'm in yeah so like immediately like top level environments are beautiful the diorama stuff like so pays off every now and then when you're moving around the camera like loves like shaking around and like it can be a little disorienting to where you're like supposed to go
0: yeah it literally looks like you're in street view and google Maps and then you're like <laughs> clicking somewhere else to like go further or like around a corner or something like i i actually wouldn't be surprised if it was almost the exact same technology as google maps yeah if i'm being honest
1: but overall i think it works and what it ends up doing is it's like a reimagination of the pre-rendered backgrounds of yes seven through ten exactly you know in those games they had very cartoony polygonal avatars in a kind of like high-res environment that was pre-rendered and stiff and it feels like kind of like how octopath is like let's put like Super Nintendo sprites over like a real like a uh, uh, high definition environment. Mm. This is like that, but like, what if you took the pre-rendered backgrounds as a stylistic choice and not a limitation, yeah. and made it into something like a diorama, which weirdly works and it and it, it harkens back to that very specific era of Final Fantasies. So I'll say like, if you're a fan of seven through ten, you will have the best time with this game. um The combat is really fun. You you mentioned before that it's as if they. Named nailed it in 10, like what can we do differently? so it feels very much like 10 in that like every character is a set class so leo the protagonist is kind of like a titus thief sort of character i have three characters so far the other character kina is a mage who can heal and cast spells more than a bit and the third character cheryl is a persona user uh, which is great (laughs) like straight Um, up yeah (laughs) (laughs) we love cheryl here uh anyway so basically it's like you know turn-based what i love what i love what i love what every turn-based combat game should do is have the turn order broadcasted and it does yeah on the bottom right of the screen it shows you like the whole like turns and turns ahead of when you're gonna go the turn order which i think just makes it so it, it enables you to actually think strategically and not just take a guess and like i said it starts off pretty generic but as you level up you get more skills and what's really cool is that the game is very focused on the touchpad controls so once you get kina she has a spell uh holy where um, you encounter a bunch of birds in the desert, and Leo's like, "Oh man, there were so many birds." And Kena's <laughs> like, "Don't you worry, <laughs> I can I can angle the trajectory of my holy shot and knock out a bunch of birds at once." So basically, when you certain moves, like Leo has a move called Slash, just like slashes in a straight line. So if enemies are in that line, they'll get hit. Yeah, but multiple Kina, enemies. It's worth multiple mentioning.
0: Enemies. So the enemies are are, are lined up, or like placed around the battlefield in a way where some of them will line up essentially, and will allow you to attack more than once uh but but talk about talk about kina's holy attack because it's fucking yeah, rad
1: it's so cool so kina uh when you're aiming holy you can like bend into like arc shapes so you can like hit a bunch of enemies on a curve and it becomes like almost angry birds-esque going back to the yeah. apple arcade classics of like trying to hit as many enemies in a line at the same time so there's a heavy focus on placement and environment in the combat that like is just enough of an addition to make it feel really fresh yes and especially on these devices i I think this is on the switch i would hope it would use the touch controls the switch secretly has right (laughs) but uh but yeah it really really works this is a dream on an ipad and um so like combat and and setting and music in in heavy heavy bold underline everything the music is incredible in this game. It is such a joy just to be in this place and to play it. And the battles are really fun. Eventually, and one other like gameplay specific thing until maybe we'll get more into like story and the comparisons you want to make to Lost Odyssey. But uh, there's <laughs> there's an item you get like a couple hours in called the Dimension. The Dimension. The Dimension. That is like, yeah. It's a, so Leo as a protagonist has amnesia. He seemingly was this guy who like, was able to travel through different dimensions and was kind of kind of like a zidane esque thief. Mm-hmm. Um kind of a fuck boy, but he's no longer a fuck boy because he doesn't remember being a fuck boy. So that's what we're given. Yeah. As the protagonist. So anyway, he has this device called the Dimension that you can turn on or off at your will. And if it's on, if you get into a random encounter, it will just skip the encounter and put those monsters in the dimension so you can fight them later if you want yeah it is weirdly the random encounter equivalent of building credit card debt it's like <laughs> you can put it on you're like, oh cool i'm not fighting any monsters this is great i don't have to worry about random encounters but like you can at the beginning at least you can only hold up to 30 monsters and then once it fills you have to fight them all at once which sounds kind of tedious but what ends up happening is like I can just explore an environment without worrying about random encounters. And then when I reach a save point, I can then fight like a bunch of them and then work on my holy trajectory skills and try to take out as many enemies at once. Yes. It's usually not too hard. I usually empty the Dimension when I have around 12 or 15. But what's really cool about the Dimension is that the Dimension battle music is so fucking good. Yeah, it's really good. My, my main gameplay loop in this game is like, Exploring a diorama, having a great time, listening to the music, not worrying about random encounters, and then finding a save point and just jamming the, to the dimension theme and killing 30 <laughs> birds in one swipe. <laughs>
0: It's incredible. It's so fun. And this, I I think the Dimension is a really good uh, touch point here because like what Mistwalker has been so good at as a studio has been like taking this very classic idea of what you consider to be a JRPG and like adding a couple of things that like spice it up that just kind of explore what the the genre is capable of. And the Dimension is such like a wonderful kind of uh, tiny bite-sized version of that where like, okay, so random encounter battles or just like, you know, uh, enemy encounter battles out in the wild are such a to <laughs> like baked in mechanic of these kinds of games like what can we do with that idea that makes it a little bit more palatable to people who like maybe hate random encounter battles you know for example there are a lot of people who when they hear a random encounter battle is a piece of a game mechanically they just like immediately decide to not play that video game the dimension makes it so palatable because you're just running around and just collecting all these monsters what is kind of interesting is if you've never seen a monster before you can't add it to the dimension so like you'll need Uh, so you like need to fight them the first time so like I guess you can like learn what they and then eventually look, start getting added. But as you just run around and like collect things, I've found a lot of instances in which I will just run around the world and just collect things in the dimension. Like, and that is my sole purpose is to just fight thirty things at once because I think it's so fun. What I also love about the dimension is uh, when you when you go into it, they have a thing called dimension gimmicks, which is like literally the <laughs> mechanic. That's the name of the mechanic, and it shows a little tooltip that tells you, like, introducing dimension gimmicks. And essentially, what they are is like placed around with the thirty enemies you're fighting are little like almost Mario Kart looking uh, item boxes where when you hit them they'll give you different boosts and some of them will be like okay uh, turn skip so your turn or like uh, that character's turn will immediately move up to the front of the line in the turn order or just like attack up or speed up and things like that which is so so fun and I've also found that like it's a perfect complement to this new uh, combat mechanic as well of being able to attack enemies or multiple enemies at once because without that if that wasn't in this game the dimension would be a fucking nightmare you know Yeah. if, right. if you weren't able to use the slash attack through five enemies at once uh, and you needed to take on each one individually it would be just such a chore but because it's so joyful to be able to like wipe out multiple things at once like with, with the with the um like persona adjacent like area of effect attack that just yes. attacks in like a big circle and you can take out like five things in a circle yeah. at once Cheryl you just, rules yeah you just rip through those 30 enemies uh so quickly that like it just is fun like this this honestly gets to the heart of why i think this game is so much better for me at least than both blue dragon and lost odyssey is like from a pure mechanic standpoint it's not just like a new twist on something it's a new twist on something that makes it more fun for people who maybe even aren't used to this genre of video game yeah um it 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 like where i started to bounce off of blue dragon was like it was so beholden to just being like classic that it ended up not being fun lost odyssey had these interesting mechanics with like this rhythm game thing that was going on where you would be able to uh boost your attack power depending on how you know perfectly timed you were there's also a wonderful thing in lost odyssey where two of the characters in your party are immortal so if they die at any point they'll just like resurrect themselves uh midway through the fight and show up again like that stuff was really great but they they then ramped up the difficulty to match they were like well if we're making it easier for the player then we should make the game harder and then i kept running into bosses that were so difficult that i like had to stop playing the game because it just wasn't having fun anymore there's needed yeah. to grind a lot so what what, what fantasia manages to do is add a bunch of gameplay and combat mechanics that just like complement jrpgs as a genre but also make it easier more palatable and i think the dimension does a great deal of, of um service to the idea of grinding which is like also inherent to this genre but makes it so fun it makes yeah. it so easy to do yeah because you can just rack up 30 30 bad guys and then just wipe them out all at once it's like it's like you're playing tetris you're just like block you're just demolishing groups of things you yeah know? it's and and it's generally pretty easy too because like the, yes. the enemies that attack you like are not doing that much damage no not at all so really this game is just fun always <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> And that's awesome. That's a that's a great experience. And I think uh, j- just to like go a little bit even deeper here. And the reason that I was saying that this I think is a watershed moment for Apple Arcade in general is like this game is so designed to be played on a touch device. Yeah, um, I have played absolutely. this on every device that I have access to. So I played it on my Mac. I played it on my uh, iPad. I played it on my iPhone. I played it also with a controller as well, just to like try that and see what that felt like. And like far and away, the two best ways to play this are either with a mouse on your computer or on an iPhone or an iPad just with the touch controller yeah with an with a regular controller it's like fine but using the touchscreen is like a dream for this game and the UI yeah. is designed in that way which I think yes. is like the big comparison point that I would have to make between like playing this or playing as we were just mentioning Final Fantasy 4 on mobile which like is a good experience or like uh, Dragon Quest 5 as you just played on mobile as well yeah. which like is a good experience but really is just taking those same UI mechanics or those same UI elements that you've seen in every Every RPG ever for every console, and just making it so you can tap on things instead of needing to like use a D pad to maneuver them. You know, this game like really takes the idea of using a touchscreen into account when developing the UI, which creates these like really interesting kind of UI elements. So like when when it's a character's turn to attack, for example, you'll have two actions on the screen. One of them is fight, and you can push your finger down on the fight button and then drag it to the uh to the enemy that you're trying to attack if you're using something like slashes or, or or holy as we were mentioning those two attacks that can attack multiple enemies at once you drag that and then move the trajectory of that attack around on the screen to decide who you're going to attack if at any point you decide that you don't want to do that attack but you're like halfway through like dragging the trajectory there's a little trash can that shows up on the bottom left that you can drag that attack to and then you just cancel out of that and you can go back to your inventory and try stuff again a little Options like that in the combat, like, go a long way to making the game just feel so fluid on a, on a touch screen. And then they do you one better because this idea that you were talking about of, like, you tap a point on the environment and then you, you know, it drops a little red pin there and your character runs from point A to point B. That's, like, not a new mechanic for, for maneuvering a character through 3D space in a mobile game. But they really like just chef kiss to Mistwalker for inventing this idea (laughs) but essentially what happens is at any point you can swipe from the side of the screen and bring up a map of the whole area and it just shows you the whole diorama that you're in which is like really beautiful Um, and you can see these little red waypoints all over the map and at any point you can tap on any of them and your character will just move to that point immediately so if you're just trying to get from point A to point B if you're not exploring the diorama and like looking for hidden chests and shit like that. That. you could just bring up this map and then just immediately like tap on the exit that you're trying to run to or the store or the shop or the house that you're trying to go into and your character will just run there you don't need to just constantly be tapping 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 to go from point yeah. A to point B it could just happen automatically for you like they've really thought about how to make this game feel native to a mobile device in a way that I haven't seen in other games like this I brought up Oceanhorn earlier which is like the franchise that a lot of people refer to when talking about like a big RPG like a big console level RPG on on a mobile device and like that game is also using like twin stick virtual controls and like a bunch of buttons on the screen call of duty mobile is another example of a game that like it uses twin stick and has like 58 different buttons on the screen for like crouching and going prone and like aiming down sights and like using your grenade and whatever the fuck like they don't feel mobile native they just feel like they found a way that they could do it but not the way that they should do it and Fantasian constantly feels like the way you should make this kind of game on mobile
1: 1000 percent, i totally agree in, in terms of what you're saying about designing the whole game around touchback controls it, it also applies to the boss battles where usually there's like some element of aiming or choice of like where to attack and why yeah um like one of the first bosses is a tree that grows money which of course as soon as you beat leo goes i guess money does go on trees but it went womp uh, yeah kills me (laughs) yeah kills me i love that anyway there's a money tree where like you have to target like the bags of money that are growing otherwise they throw it at you stuff like that it's like even outside of the dimension there's like this sort of like focus on uh aiming and and groups of attacks uh later on you fight like a big uh like sandworm that has enemies in front of them so like it's always worth trying to like hit as many enemies as possible it's really cool it weirdly reminds me i know a lot of people don't like this battle system but it reminds me of like the defense stuff in 13 sentinels where you're trying to like get as many enemies as possible and like yeah totally. one ring or whatever um you and i both like that system and i think this is like that done well basically yeah you're <laughs> so like right I, did, I didn't make that connection yeah. but yeah
0: very much feels um, that
1: way. but yeah i i think that like objectively speaking the battle system and the aesthetic of the game and the music are all like stellar and exactly like the the gold standard that has been set by sakaguchi and Amatsu in the games that created and composed it's also really heartwarming to see like these two people who have made so much together reunite for this you know like it feels that they want to make this that's what you were saying before about the interviews with the developers like everyone was excited to make this you can feel that in the game i think yeah. you can feel like it this really good, comes through it yeah. really does yeah um even in the moments that don't work quite as well like you can tell that they wanted to make it which i think like makes up for for the lesser moments of it
0: yeah it it feels so much like uh any person who's ever been a fan of any band that has put out like more than 5 albums you know like yes. really yes. really wants for them to make like the good one again you know and like a lot of bands just like continue releasing albums and it just all goes downhill over and over and over again it's like oh man you, you had the capacity to make something so great and you still do please i need you to do it and like you just get disappointed over and over again and i just felt so much like this was going to be the one for Mistwalker. walker even like though i'm not a huge fan of the other games that i played as much as i like lost odyssey like i really had a very hard time with it eventually and like have grown to dislike it because of that this feels like oh shit you went right back you made the good album the band analogy is so apt i know
1: i've like poked fun at you for that in the past but my i want to share mine that you could poke fun at i'm a huge fan of guided by voices oh wow yeah and the lead singer is like infamous for just getting trashed at every concert and he does this kick where he like Will just kick up while he's singing, and it's not impressive like at all. He just like does this weird kick, but everyone loves it. And he's like always trash when he does it. And that is this game. I think it's like just it's so proud and and so happy to be there that even if it's not landing everywhere, it's like it's just so confident that it, it sticks to landing. Yeah,
0: and I th- I think that's <laughs> you know what that's actually a really apt analogy. I think yeah, because there are so many things that feel like how lame that kick like actually is. In <laughs> this game um i think yes. even going to one of the things that you already mentioned which is the the like a uh, protagonist has amnesia trope is like yeah right it's not fun it's not interesting like the the thing about it is you start this game and you're playing as this protagonist named leo and like they don't allow you to change the name of the character and i was immediately like okay That's great. I'm actually very into that. Like, tell me who this person is. Tell me their story. And then immediately it's like, I don't know what my story is. It's like, oh, (laughs) I don't like it. Like, that's actually one of the things I like the most about Final Fantasy X is like Titus is A, an idiot, and B, an idiot out of time. So he doesn't have amnesia. He just doesn't know anything. <laughs> yeah, he's like, who the hell is this god you're talking about yeah. in front of everyone at church? Which I yeah. really love. You know, that like, all, that game from whenever that came out. Um, 2001. 2000, uh, 2000, maybe 2009 even.
1: 2001
0: yeah. feels like uh, a subversion of this trope that like, now in 2021 we've returned to for some reason. And I'm hoping... That somewhere down the line, there's some kind of redemption for why they're doing the amnesia thing. Because these are the people that, like, invented and wore out the amnesia thing. right? Like, for them to go back to it is either them hearkening back to an era that, like, is gone for a reason, or... They're going to subvert it at some point, And then I'll come back on the show and be like, thank God this happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, And this is actually a good segue to talk about the narrative because I'm very curious where you land on it. So like for me overall, I'm enjoying the story. It's definitely like, it's like on this very fine line of like almost being terrible, you know, it's <laughs> like.
0: I'm like, so glad you said that. I was wondering. I was wondering yeah, where you were at. Yeah, because
1: okay. I I'm so swept up in everything else in the game that like I'm willing to overlook some tropes. Like you know, amnesia. Okay, fine. Um, Leo, I think is like kind of interesting. I mean, I think when you give a protagonist amnesia, it's okay. So now we're like, what you've basically done is made a silent protagonist who can talk. We're learning the worlds with them and they're asking questions that we would ask. Right. I think it's a little bit interesting that because like, it seems like what, what I'm guessing and what I'm hoping might pay off is that like he gave himself amnesia for a reason, you know, Mm. that, that there was a reason he wiped his memory and left all these notes and clues in his hideout that he calls the toy box, which is like, come on, man. (laughs) Um, but I really loved the robots you fight alongside in the beginning. They were so fun. I, I hope they come back. I'm sure they'll return like, for some. They're, they're very much like bigs and wedge meets uh pod. 42 or whatever their name was in the automata. Yeah. and uh, you know. I love that. So Leo was like fine. Uh, I think, you know, he, he, uh, I always assume that in an RPG like this, the protagonist is like the eighth most interesting thing happening. <laughs> he has a little bit of the cloud strife. Like I don't care vibe to him, but he's, like not getting in the way of the story you right. know he's just sort of functioning as his purpose so you know the 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 basic plot is like you're you're leo in this uh futuristic factory kind of akin to a, the mako reactor and uh to escape certain doom you activate a device that like can seemingly hop through either dimensions or time even we don't know yet we're still i think we're both like three hours in at this point
0: yeah i'm just over three hours in yeah
1: and uh you end up in like a more medieval-esque village it's not even medieval because they have like there's some like technology around that seems like modern but you're in like kind of a desert uh village
0: yeah that's how i was gonna describe it just like a desert village that like yeah yeah just not like sparsely populated place
1: it actually kind of feels like the camp in near automata very We're much in the desert. Yeah. yeah. So you go there and you meet Sid the bartender, mm-hmm. and he's like, "What the hell? You don't remember me? All those albums I made? You, you don't remember anything? You don't remember me?" He doesn't do that, but in my head, that's how he sounded. It's actually <laughs> worth noting. There's no voice acting, but they're like, <laughs> like yeah, they yeah, talk, like it's like, it's like dark Animal
0: <laughs> Crossing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it vibrates the iPad too. <laughs> I do like how it's
1: different pitches for different voices. Anyway, you go to this town, you're trying to figure out like who you are and why you're going anywhere. And the bartender is like, all right, man, well, you, you, you have a hideout in the bar that you call the mini toy box with Sid. And you find some notes. It's like, don't forget about the date with the princess. Pin in that later. Uh, don't forget about this, this, and that. Your dad might be evil, and uh, <laughs> here's a safe with a possessed mask in it. <laughs> so you get that, and then you go. They're like, okay, well, if you don't know who you are, maybe go to the fortune teller. I don't know. I'm out. Of,
0: I'm out of tools. Right. Yeah. There's a uh, fortune teller who lives outside of town in the in the old district that is no district. longer populated.
1: There's also a threat called mech that are just cotton balls on the diorama with like weird t- I actually like it a lot I, I think that they look very threatening yeah
0: weird mechanical tendrils I was gonna mention actually that factory that you started in reminds me a lot of the Machine City from the Matrix films Um, Yeah, like it, it has big, like, oh, the the machines are taking over kind of vibes. Um, and, and the bacteria all around seems to be like the kind of, um, the, the machinery version of like an infestation of, of, uh, of the world. Um, and, and seems to be overtaking a lot of like previously populated places or like nature rich places. Uh, there's like a forest that's like overrun by bacteria later. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: it works well, very, it works very well visually and it kind of has this like kind of like cancerous look to it. Yeah. So that that all that all worked for me. Uh, You go to the fortune teller and you meet Kina, the girl of your dreams, Uh, someone who appeared to you. (laughs) in your dream which like that's where i had to bump up against the writing a little bit because like i don't even know like based on the dialogue i wouldn't even know if they're supposed to become like a love interest couple Dude, I like, have there's like no, no idea chemistry. yeah <laughs> there's like zero chemistry yeah because kina is someone who is from the woods and like only grew up with this weird fortune teller who's like working for the devil uh <laughs> and she's like fine like i, I I just don't really know. Like I couldn't describe her, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the thing. It's like, I want to like all these characters, but they're not giving me actually the next character. I think I have the most like knowledge of and, and like the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. But, uh, Kina's fine. She's like what you would assume Aerith was on a surface level if you didn't play Final Fantasy VII, you know? Yeah,
0: that's a good that's a good way of putting it.
1: Because Aerith is like a very fun and like quirky character who like grew up in Midgar and like knows how Midgar operates. Whereas Kina's like, I know smells of the forest. It's like, oh my God. Yeah,
0: she keeps talking uh, about the different smells of everything. She's like, you smell nice. But like, yeah, like, she doesn't mean like the the smell coming off of you is nice. She means she can smell that you're a nice person.
1: Yeah. Which like yeah, it just I don't know. It doesn't. Uh, all that stuff is like I'm like waiting for something to work and it's not. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I, I very much feel the same way so far.
1: But you know, she she's like uh she's fine. Uh, Leo and Kina, I feel like true neutral on. And uh, basically, there's this. I think what's kind of interesting conceptually is like Leo is someone who doesn't know about his past and Keena doesn't know like about they keep bringing up like where her destiny is so they're like trying to figure out what their road is together so yeah that's fine mm-hmm. it's it's cliche but like it works in the moment because like the music does so much to make you not roll your eyes you know like yeah yeah totally as, as much as the scene can like objectively just be bad the music is so <laughs> beautiful that you're like oh i'm into this yeah somehow and there's enough like there's enough mystery that i am like actually intrigued at, like okay what is the twist or what is like going to happen here.
0: Yeah, what I like about the story so far, at least, where I'm at, is, like, it it's very aimless in a way that is intriguing, um, because like, even the protagonist doesn't really know what the plan is, just, like, Leo is just aware that he needs to go, like, restore his memories. That's, like, kind of the only thing he's very interested in at the moment, and you don't really know, like, where he plays into the bigger story or anything, and that's fine by me. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm totally cool with that, and I, I think this is uh, maybe a good time to bring this up, but when you first meet kina and uh her like father figure owen uh who is the fortune teller it launches into le- the visual novel thing that you were describing which is yeah. like these uh really beautiful hand-drawn screens um oh, and
1: the, the, anim- the, the, the illustrations here are, are like one of the reasons i love this game they're yeah. so
0: good really really, really, really gorgeous good. um yeah. and and this like really beautiful music and sound design and stuff like that uh and the text will appear on screen in kind of like an animated flowy way um and steven it is one to one exactly what the what the memory scenes in Lost Odyssey are like it is I was
1: assuming that
0: yeah like they haven't changed anything from the way Lost Odyssey works with the exception of the writing, which, like, Lost Odyssey uh, had had these, like, incredible uh, narrative, like, memory recollection sequences, and they were written by a guy named uh, Kiyoshi Shigematsu, who is, like, a very famous sci-fi writer who writes, like, sci-fi short stories. Essentially, like, getting Ted Chang to write your game for you. Um, And the wonderful thing about Lost Odyssey is that uh, the protagonist of that game also has amnesia, and it's not because you know, they're like going down this like real tropey Avenue, but it's because he's an immortal man who's lived for like tens of thousands of years. And he's lived for so long that he, his brain can't handle all the memories he has. And is like pushing memories out of his head to make room for new ones, which is like horrifying on a surface level because as he starts to remember things, he'll remember like entire lives he lived with like a family, you know, he'll like have had a family at some point that he's totally forgotten about and then remembers because he like goes and visits the place. And those stories, uh, Stephen and dear listener are like so far and away the best part of lost odyssey that like, yeah. I eventually just went and read them outside of playing the game. Cause I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to finish this game cause it's too hard for me. Uh, so I'll just, I'll just read these stories and they're amazing. They're unbelievable. Yeah. And the way they're displayed in game really add a lot of value to, like, an already pretty good experience in terms of, like, creating a great game for the Xbox. Yeah. And and the uh, Uematsu music in that game. It's just all really good. This is, like, they got everything except the writing down. Because, like, they're... Every once in a while, this will happen. I've probably run into like five or six of these, maybe more at this point. I don't even know. Me too, um, yeah. Every once in a while, I'll be really sucked into one. Like I'll, yes, I'll feel yes. kind one of the two, way. Yes. I, yeah. I'll feel kind of the way I did while playing Lost Odyssey. We're like, this is really interesting. Not like not interesting, but it's good. You know what I mean? It's fun, light reading. Like yeah. it's uh like. I actually did like the one that's
1: about Keenan. when
0: you visit their house in the woods. Yes, that was oh, also that, my favorite yes, one so far. That was a great yeah. one. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I mean, it's it's hard. Cause I think what's really working for those is the music and the illustrations are so good. Yeah. And this happens a lot when I buy comics. I've mentioned before that I'll buy a comic if I like the art and just give it a shot. And like, it reminds me of buying a comic where the artist is like so far and away better than the writer because <laughs> like <laughs> the the writing is like fine. It's it's like it, it feels there are some moments where i have an edit in my head where i'm like you could have cut this line or you could have and i don't normally think that when i'm reading you know Mm -hmm. but i do in this and i honestly what i would i bump up against more than the writing itself in these moments is the text animations they treat the reader as if they are like six years old in terms of like i went to a forest like in big it's like <laughs> come on man i like it for the dialogue cuz it, it 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 implies like how they're saying the line yeah but just for the indirect object of a sentence you can just let me fucking read it man and not have to put it in size 30 font that really enrages me weirdly i don't get angry very easily but it's it's it cheapens the moment in a way that like yeah. works for the opening of final fantasy 8 and does not work for a recurring element of storytelling in this game
0: yeah it, weirdly enough lost odyssey was was both more and less subtle about it we're like it was more subtle about those things that you're talking about like they really treated the the writing itself very well you know they weren't putting emphasis on words that didn't need it and things like that but it was less subtle in that like there are a lot more text effects happening like the way that text would show up on screen and stuff were, were a little more wild but when it was there it was it was there exactly as written you know Um, which i which i think goes a long way and it was almost like in in this game they kind of like realized that because they didn't have that guy writing this stuff they needed to like do something to jazz it up a little bit yeah um and uh more times i find it fails than not uh which is like kind of a bummer specifically the very first one that you launch into is so bad (laughs) it's like
1: is that the one with a fortune teller
0: um i i don't remember honestly. I kinda I I just completely blocked it out. But uh the the very first one that you go into, I was just like so like, oh my God, this is Lost Odyssey, but worse. I'm so bummed about this. And then eventually (laughs) Over the course of playing, I've run into more that I thought were like yeah, way more engrossing. The, the house in the forest is a lot of and fun the They stump, see the animal, yeah.
1: and they like they close their eyes and and just breathe in the smells of the forest. Yeah, I also even though it was tropey, I didn't mind the one about the princess at the masquerade ball.
0: Oh yeah, honest. I love that one. Yeah, it was great. Yeah,
1: that one was great because I think it was less about Leo and more about her realizing like how her upbringing affected her like insight on the world totally yeah and and also the illustrations there were like super compelling and i love sebastian her butler so much he's a mohawk <laughs> and he's old amazing yeah and
0: he kicks ass but yeah those moments are like they're always pleasant but they're not always good <laughs> yeah and honestly i find that in a lot of instances when they show up they like stop me in my tracks or like i feel like i'm in a really good gameplay groove and then they'll yeah, really yeah. pull me out of it and it's the Times in which they're incorporated into the world in a way that makes more sense that I feel more welcome. Like the stump in the house that was we were talking about is like you're going through what is essentially like Viridian Forest from Pokemon in a way. Like it's just <laughs> this like really windy path it's very clearly that like the most beautiful diorama that I've run into so far oh, yeah, I think it's totally. like so gorgeous Um, and as you're making your way through and the music is great like you're just kind of so swept up by the environment that when you get to learn more about it and you learn more about Kina's upbringing in that place it like feels really like welcome I think when when those uh, memories yes. show up
1: it also made Kina more interesting because I got a yes. sense of like w- how she operates and, and what she means by you smell good yeah you know, <laughs> other than
0: you know like <laughs> uh, totally yeah I, I, I very much feel that way and weirdly enough that was one of the things that lost odyssey failed at in that respect is like you'd be running around and your protagonist would just like see like a person playing soccer in a corner and be like and then it would launch you into a memory um he would like grab his head and uh it it just like ripped you right out of the game i was always really excited to read them because they were so good and and so like the point of playing lost odyssey but simultaneously they just ripped you out of the game um and 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 i do find that fantasia has a better balance in that regard
1: yeah and they they, at, at their very best, they can be a complimentary experience. At the very worst, it's like, okay, I listened to a good song for a bit while I like dissociated from what I was reading. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, um, even though I'm someone who like really looks for story and character in a game I don't mind this game being kind of lighter affair to be mm-hmm. honest because I'm enjoying the other thing like it's kind of like how you thought about Bravely Default where it's like that game is succeeding enough in one avenue that you enjoy it yes absolutely. I think that this game is doing that in two avenues enough that like <laughs> even if the story is like cataclysmically bad at a certain point I think there's a, I think there's a lot of potential I don't think I it's think a so great too. story yeah. right now but I, I, I'm i like hoping that it goes in a direction and I, and I do think that the, the the third character is way more compelling you go on this like luxury cruise ship over a desert which is like such a final fantasy 8 ass setting i like cheered i was like, <laughs> this is so specifically weird and my shit yeah. i love this cruise ship over a desert i love the captain but anyway the, the third character who joins us in the first three hours she is the princess of this kingdom and when you meet her her butler is like immediately pissed at leo and you find out that before leo had amnesia they had made plans to like meet up they met in a masquerade ball Um, i won't spoil that because it's like one of the stories but um she's basically mad at leo because like she knew him before he lost his memory and now she like lost that person she was excited to meet yeah but i think what i'm hoping the story does i'm really not interested in a love triangle i don't want this to be about like kina and cheryl competing for leo like, that's at gonna all. be
0: very frustrating and like there are the seeds of that already and i just like don't want that at all
1: what i want and what i kind of read as the moment in the scene she joins the party is like the event of meeting leo and doing what she did in that animated scene opened her eyes to like what she wants her role as, as princess to be is to be, like, with the people and, like, yeah. as an active force and not just in the castle all day. So it's less about her wanting to be with Leo and more about her wanting to, to be amongst everyone else. I'm really hoping that's the case because it's, like, becoming a harem very quickly and I don't care about that at all. Yeah. But uh I also met a really tough guy who fights with the spirit wolf who I'm so excited— to eventually know more about. Yeah.
0: Wild like, introduction. Immediately
1: in love with him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Very weird scene. I kind of, I kind of don't even <laughs> want to talk about it. Cause it's just like so bizarre and I want to see how it pay, pays off. But, uh, like, okay. It, it was like, you meet a guy and it's like, I'll see you in six hours. Like. <laughs> exactly how it felt um yeah but yeah i don't know I, you and i seem to be around the same point in the game at least based on what i'm guessing based on what you're talking about and it just sounds like uh, i don't know we uh, from what i have heard this uh this game is around like 20 to 25 hours long perfect and also from what i understand there might be a second part that's going to come out towards the end of the year as oh, well
1: interesting um, cool.
0: so it might be a two-part story and i'm very interested to see what like how that works or like if that just gets rolled into this app or if it's like a golden sun situation where it's like there's a golden sun 2, but it's technically just like part two of golden sun yeah very very interested in what's going on with uh with the release of fantasia but uh i'm not even gonna really think about it until i'm done playing it which i will probably finish because i am really loving it so much
1: me too uh cheryl has rings that summon knights who have fought for her queendom before which is why she's a persona user yeah which is like so fucking cool i like that like once you get the like thief and white mage you just get like weirder characters mm-hmm. like i'm excited to see where that goes because like yeah i i think the reason i trust the story will get more interesting is it opens in the future you know and like yeah. it opens in that like weird robotic setting and i'm like hoping that that intertwines in a way that is interesting
0: and not just like twist yeah i don't think that's the future at all i think that's just like where the other place where the bacteria like lives oh, like where it's where it comes yeah. from that's a good point yeah i i just very much consider it to be the matrix in that way <laughs> Yeah,
1: I I really enjoy this game. Um, it's, you know, it's very specifically for, I think, fans of the series. I don't know if it's like a, a good, like, onboarding game, really. I mean, it's accessible, but, like, I don't know if, like, how would you think of it as, like, if you haven't played RPGs before
0: or even played Final Fantasy before, how appealing would this be? I don't know. I mean, if you, if you have a, a phone... Uh, and you have Apple Arcade, like there's no reason to not try it out. I guess is kind of my thought. That's true. Yeah,
1: um, I would give it until you get Kina in terms of the, the mechanics. I would like give it until you can yeah. do those like arced attacks.
0: Yeah, because early on when you're when you just have Leo, uh, you can only hit in a straight line. And the introduction of Kina with the ability to curve her attack is like such a huge eye opening moment for the way combat works that like it really changes a lot. We didn't even talk about the uh, the trio of antagonists, who I don't want to like talk too much oh, about, my. but god their introduction is so like exhilarating as just like a complete tonal shift for the video game um and they really do a lot of interesting work to kind of just show off how the mechanics work um in terms of being able to like curve around characters and like when it when it makes sense to slice through somebody or slice around them and things like that my Uh,
1: favorite type of character is a benign villain who teaches you mechanics that's like (laughs) in Chrono cross there are these two soldiers named salt and pepper who like show up throughout the adventure and just teach you like how to play by yeah. like being bad they occasionally are joined by a guy named ketchup oh my god like <laughs> they're like that they're the salt pepper and ketchup of the game and there's you, you text me like, you're gonna lose your mind when you meet the trio of antagonists and i did yeah really good yeah it, it's it's a really incredible game i i really really love it and i think that like If you're if you're someone I think you would enjoy it, at least for the aesthetic and the music and the combat if you're new to this kind of world of RPGs. But if you're someone who's played a lot of Final Fantasy, it's like a really like uh, nostalgic and fresh experience at the same time, which is a very hard balance to pull off.
0: Yeah. And as like an addition to Apple Arcade, like is so easily, I think, the best Apple Arcade game, maybe next to like Sinar Wild Hearts for me. Yeah, Um, I would agree. Yeah. It just it just is so good. And the ability to play it on all of my devices like and switch between them at will is like absolutely ridiculous. Like I played a lot of it on my on my Mac with mouse and keyboard um, but I've also played a lot of it on my iPhone and the dioramas look so good on iPhone. Even honestly, like the opening town that you start in, it's called N-E-N. The opening town is like the worst diorama that I've seen so far uh, yeah. of all of them. It just is like very muddy and like they didn't really get like very good the high res like, the like images. The lighting in is
1: kind of weird.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it just feels like low res and muddy in the way that is like almost too close to like a Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9 background in a way. Right. Um, which is kind of strange. And but then the
1: forest you, is like breathtaking. You get to the forest
0: yeah. and it's like full ass, like 4k resolution, <laughs> beautiful shit. Uh, really and the like cruise ship is cool too. Yeah. The I cruise like the ship's cruise amazing. Yeah. Night and day yeah. situation there. Um, just weird that that first environment is like so low res. Um, it almost makes me think that like something went wrong <laughs> in a way. Um, but that said, um, the game is really pretty and playing it on my Mac specifically. Um, seeing it on a screen that big is really nice. And I've seen, uh, um, uh, I I've, I've seen images of it on a 4K Apple TV as well and it's like really gorgeous. So you really can't go wrong in any way that you play the game. Um, I will say that I think that the worst way to play it, at least for me, was with a controller. I just don't think it like, especially some of the like curving attacks and stuff just don't feel very good on a controller. But uh, outside of that, man, I mean, it just feels like the perfect Apple Arcade edition. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm excited for it to like be on Switch or something.
1: Yeah, this would be so fun on Switch. I'm playing on an iPad and I would, I would say that that's like, it feels like it's probably the best way to play it. But like, again, I, I agree with you. Like just, as long as you're not using a controller, it's probably there's no bad way to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What's really wonderful, at least on my end, uh, I I have it on an iPad with a magic keyboard, which has like the full keyboard and also a trackpad on it. So like I could just switch between mouse and keyboard and touchscreen whenever I want, which is uh, honestly a great way to play it to be able to switch between them at will like that. But yeah. Uh, good video game. Uh, I, I imagine we'll talk about it more because yeah, man. it's real good.
1: Especially if the story pays off in the ways we're hoping. It could also like, it could so easily go in the opposite direction too. And I'm like prepared for that emotionally. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I'm enjoying the other sides of it enough that I'll probably like, if it's also like, 20 to 30 hours, I'll finish it. You know, like I'm, I'm in, you yeah, know, I'll, I'll th- do
0: it. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you and I are three hours in, uh, even though it came out on Friday, and we've also played like six other Apple Arcade games, I, I, I just imagine we're going to rip through this thing. So
1: I just want to meet the dude who has a spirit wolf. Is that so much to ask? <laughs> I'm very, very interested in when he's going to come back and why. I'm really curious because you can have a party of three, and it seems like, you know, once you get enough characters, you can switch them out. I'm like, who's oh. my
0: party? Cool. I didn't know that that's spirit exciting. wolf
1: and persona user. Absolutely. You know it. Yeah. Should we uh, wrap up? Is that it? I have more to say about the spirit wolf guy. Okay. Tell um, me more. I have nothing to say
0: about him. I don't know. Hey him listener. Thank you so much for uh, <laughs> tuning in for this episode. <laughs> Do <laughs> you see that? Steven just recoiled in laughter and like knocked over his whole setup.
1: Yeah, this is how ha- this happens every time I stream. And as the first time it's happening when I'm recording, I'm going
0: to switch up what I'm doing here. Sorry, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, <laughs> I do want to mention that last week we had two episodes. One of them was our standard episode about Monster Hunter. And the other one was the Mother 3 bonus. Um, and uh, got a lot of good feedback about the Mother 3 bonus. That was a really like weird and interesting episode for us to record. Um, yeah. At least definitely on my end uh, was definitely like a. a a shocking experience i think but uh even if you haven't played the game it's worth mentioning like the first segment of that episode is spoiler free so if you're just like curious about our overall thoughts about it and how to play it and check it out um definitely go give that a listen but thank you so much everybody who listened to it as we always mention those bonus episodes are uh created because we have a patreon you can go find that at patreon.com slash into the cast thank you so much everybody who is backing the show there if backing the show in any way negatively impacts you financially please do not back the show it's very okay if you need to cancel your uh you're backing for literally any reason do not worry about it it is totally okay and uh yeah uh all of our links everywhere else into the casta online that's twitter that's youtube twitch you can email us there's a lot of ways to to reach out to us instagram is there and uh yeah
1: anything else that was great. I was about to say that was the best wrap up we've ever done. Usually it's like we end up falling down some kind of hill and then having to climb back up. <laughs> uh, and that was great. We're Death Stranding the outros all the time. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I, uh, I've i seen a lot of positive feedback from the Mother 3 episode, which is really cool to see. Because again, second to I think Last of Us Part 2 was the longest recording session. Um <laughs> uh-huh. So we were like so drained that we didn't even like. We normally can feel after like was that a good episode or not? I don't know. We can usually kind of feel it, but
0: for that one, we're like, I don't know. We did it. We'll find out. Yeah, you <laughs> fell asleep immediately. You woke up, recorded the episode, and then fell asleep. Like, is how long it took. I like oblivion
1: ragdolled As soon as we hit end on on quick time recording, uh, <laughs> and I went right to sleep.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah oh, I, we wanted to mention what next month's bonus is also.
1: Oh my god! Yes. Okay. Very exciting news. So you're like, what the fuck is for Aries season? I love this season. I love April. I love the optimism of spring. I love the uncertainty of spring. It's very angsty. It's very honest. You know, sometimes you have muddy, rainy days. Sometimes you've got like early summer days. But it's not as obvious as summer because like who wants to be that obvious? So like we got you. The bonus for April is going to be
0: Shadow of the Colossus and Ico. That's right. Double feature. Maybe, maybe, maybe the last Guardian if we can fit it in. But Mm. at the moment, it's going to be Shadow of the Colossus and Ico, which I'm very excited about. I do want to mention the reason we're announcing this one so early is a um, just we've never tried announcing one this early. I mean, this is like the beginning of the month and, you know, that'll probably be the end of the month. So if you want to play along, you could do that. Ooh, Uh, fun. Yeah. If you have questions that you want to submit to the show uh, for that episode, uh, please let us know. Um, at the moment, no guest. Maybe there'll be a guest. I'm not really sure. But uh, that said, uh, just wanted to announce that early. Um, also, ways to play that game or ways to play those games. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus was remastered by Bluepoint Studios for the PlayStation 4. So you can play that there. Um, and remaster. on PlayStation Now is where you can play Ico right now. Uh, because believe it or not, that game does exist on a place that's not the PlayStation 2, which I didn't realize. Uh, so excited to finally play that game. I haven't played it. I did play Shadow of the Colossus, but have not played Ico. have always wanted to. Um, also worth mentioning, I think right now, if you've never subscribed to PlayStation now before, uh, it is $1 for your first month. So uh, if you want to play Ico for $1 this month in anticipation of our bonus episode, that's a good way to do it uh yeah both games are like pretty short as as like uh yeah like
1: five to six hours each yeah uh shadow of the colossus has like a little bit of a difficulty curve but like it's so rewarding to do and ICO i think is is less so but i haven't played ICO yet i played shadow of the colossus on ps2 and ps4 and i'll probably revisit both mm. and then i i managed to somehow get a copy of echo on ps2 that's amazing so playing it on my ps2
0: yeah so. I have. Uh, I yeah. I played. I played Shadow Colossus on PS2. Um, have never played Ico, and never played the Blue Point remastered version of Shadow Colossus. No way! Oh yeah. man, it's great. It's yeah. really good. I'm really yeah. excited to check it out. I think it's gonna be really interesting.
1: I want to revisit both to like kind of spot the differences, but like on a surface level, you wouldn't know. It, yeah. It's just like what you want in a better uh, presentation. And yeah.
0: one of them, they're made of rocks, and in the other one, they're Gundams. <laughs> My drill is the drill that will pierce the
1: heavens. Anyway, uh, that will be the bonus for April. Uh, Very excited for that. Yeah. Um, We don't have, I think this is, Last year we had like our bonuses planned for like most of the year. We've got a pretty open terrain to find, which is kind of exciting.
0: Yeah, you know? I'm I'm kind of weirdly trying to leave it open because like I have no idea what the game releases of the year are going to look like, and like yes, at any same. point something could come out that's like, oh yeah, this has to be the bonus this month. Right. Um, I weirdly feel like uh, Skyward Sword might end up being a bonus. That could uh, be really fun. Yeah. Depending on how that comes out. I would love out. to
1: do another Zelda bonus in general, based on like me too. we've only done Breath of the Wild. So like you know, send me up, whatever. Yeah. yeah video games (laughs) there it is hey we love you thanks for listening have a wonderful rest of your day uh we will see you next week
0: yes goodbye everyone thank you so much for listening to video games
1: You we named the show Video Games? Do you remember when we said hardcore fans of the show were Pokemon? That was
0: like the name to give a big Aether <laughs> yeah, fan? Yeah, yeah, uh, Someone
1: once reached out, they're like, I'm a, huge, I'm a big Pokemon. I almost forgot. I was like, oh, hell yeah. That was the thing we
0: said once, yeah. I, there w- yeah. There was a version of the show that was called Hashtag Video Games before it was called Into the Aether. Do you remember that? Like, yeah. Like, real early on.
1: In our first, very first episode, we say the show is called Floating Around the Aether.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's a lot of, like, kind of Pablo Honey era, like, mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, see ya. (laughs) See ya. Bye bye.